test, test. Hey, how's everyone doing? Uh, how does this sound? I cannot find the usual thing I use to connect the actual mic. So I'm using a Bluetooth headset and I'm sure it doesn't sound great, but does it sound like listenable at least? If anyone can just let me know. But uh, yeah, in the meantime, I'll wait and see if Q uh, is joining us soon. But I basically wanted to just talk to people and find out where people's heads are at in general. Like, I feel like a lot of these, we kind of end up talking to the audience or at the audience a lot. And I don't know if maybe that intimidates a lot of people from coming up and speaking and, and talking, or maybe people just are enjoying hearing some knowledge get dropped or whatever. But I really want to have a more interactive one today and get a sense of, you know, what people feel like these days as far as this has been a wild two years. This two years has been kind of nuts. And I'm kind of surprised people aren't crazier. And I'm wondering if people are really holding it together as well as they're pretending. You know what I mean? Like, are people... Is it one of those things where we're going to have to get a little bit of distance from it before we really realize how kind of crazy we got? I don't know. If, I mean, when we started this thing out, people were basically acting like it was going to be a weird couple of months and back to normal. or It was going to be another bird flu or mad cow disease. Where people get scared for a couple of seconds. But it's been like this for a minute. And in the meantime, we've had... In the meantime, we've had George Floyd riots, uh, two World War III scares. We're in the middle of the second one. We had that Syria thing where everyone thought it was going to be World War uh, III. Then, then the Russia thing and Ukraine happened. There was a crazy election. There was um, January 6th where – is that the date? Whatever date that was where the liberals can't get over that. That really traumatized them. You really think – that was the next French Revolution, the way they uh, still bring that thing up all the time. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's been so, so many crazy things happening. Crypto, NFTs, uh, stock market keeps going up, even though um, there's no reason for anyone to be that optimistic about the economy. Like, I feel like people are low-key really, really detached from reality and you know i think maybe people have gone a lot crazier than they're willing to admit to themselves maybe because everyone's going just as crazy at the same time but i'm just was thinking it's an interesting time to just do a check-in with people and just kind of see uh i also want not to hear what you think has been happening or is happening either with yourself or with society but what you think is coming up in the future? You know what I'm saying? And hey, Vita, how's it going? Are you able to um, speak this time? I know last time you had a problem getting getting your audio through. And also, by any means, jump into the queue if you want to call. There's no preamble. There's no long speech or nothing. It's just we're having an open, open mic today, just freestyling. Uh, I, don't, I don't hear you yet, but keep trying. Do you hear me? Yeah, I hear you fine now. How do I Is sound? Is it echoing? No, it's not echoing. It sounds a little bit loud, but it's not echoey. 
Oh, okay. You don't hear yourself. Because the last time it was an echo problem. Oh, it's about that echo, as in hearing myself. No, no echo of myself. Oh, okay. Isn't that what you said last time you were hearing yourself? Yeah, last time there was some kind of echo when you were when you were unmuted. Oh, okay. No, no, it sounds good this this time. On a side note, a lot of people were really liking that last episode with the um, actually the last two, the one with Zakia and the one with the with the article. Oh, the nice. vegan article. You didn't... Yeah. We had another one, me and Kenny. That one didn't go up. Oh no, no, we gotta paste those out. We gotta uh, drop them all at once. <laughs> we giving them too many. We give them too much. <laughs> No, no, you get no credit for dropping extra. Like I used to drop like three or four at a time, and then mm-hmm. when next when next week came, people be crying. Where's the episode? Like you get no credit for giving people extra. So I just pace them out <laughs> once once a week. <laughs> Got it. Um, okay, I can't stay on too long. I'm actually about to go do some other work. Uh, I'm still working, but working all day. But here in South LA. I'm saying South like that's our political term, but um, in South Central, we're doing a thing tonight where we're trying to count how many homeless people are living in a certain area because we're they're building new housing for um, for people here in South LA. So we want to count how many people are actually living on the street and in, in, in near these areas where they're going to be building housing, so people don't have to leave their community to get housing. Because what usually happens is they'll have um, projects in, let's say, out in the middle of nowhere, like Temecula, California. And they'll be like, oh, we're going to house homeless people in the middle of nowhere in the desert somewhere. So we're trying to get people who, you know, to be able to stay, ha- to, be, to get housing, but to be able to stay within their communities and their networks. So that's what I'll be doing tonight. Um, so, I can, so I can only stay for like the next 30 minutes. Okay, if anybody is in, if anybody's in LA and wants to join her, is there any way they can like contact you, like uh, DM you on Twitter or? Um, well, the thing is, it's not a, um, it's not a volunteer community thing. It's a um, project being done by the city. So. Oh, I see. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, but um, there will be volunteer opportunities and stuff coming up around housing. So once that happens, we can definitely promote that here on the show. Sounds good. Sounds good. But uh, yeah, any any thoughts on the topic before we go to the first caller? Well, I kind of missed your intro, so I don't even know what you introduced. Me <laughs> no, I was just, I was just talking about in general, like um, you know, what your finger on the pulse is. Like this has just been like a two really crazy years, and um, basically, I'm just talking about how I feel like we should be crazier and. And in some ways, I think we are. Like, I think there's little hints of how crazy everything's getting with like this crypto, the NFTs, all these mm-hmm. um, people flipping out every day on social media about something else ridiculous with, um, you know, the Syria thing, the Ukraine, people obsessed with Russia and the elections and seeing Russia under oh, yeah, every yeah. doormat. And, and now people are really going to start... Uh, like I'm worried. For, I'm ready for all the bad takes connecting this to Trump and Russia and the election somehow. Like, like this Ukraine thing. They like, already started. They already oh, started yeah. that. They've been talking about Trump for a minute now, but especially, well, cause you know, the conservatives are promoting um, the fact that Trump had good relations with Russia and all this stuff. <laughs> um, but I, but you know what's interesting? I was just thinking like there were predictions I had that were completely wrong years ago. 
<laughs> so um, I'm even nervous to make predictions now because I'll say this. I was hoping, especially at the start of the BLM movement, that there would be more fire um, with Black people. Um, and that is not just BLM, but just in general, because I saw so many young people that I knew in the past weren't political, had no racial political perspective. But around that time when Trayvon Martin was um, killed and, and then uh, Zimmerman got off, um, a lot of young Black people that I knew that weren't political all of a sudden got um, galvanized to action, which I thought was really dope. So I thought that was going to continue. Um, I thought Trump being in office would piss people off enough to start you know, really doing some shit. And I feel like the opposite happened. I think people got complacent with, um, you know, certain, with with movements like BLM. Now we, like, look at where BLM is now, right? Um, I think I think two things happened with that, personally. I think a lot of that energy was there, and if they were taken by a good movement, something would have happened. But I think they put all these plants in there and these uh, AstroTurf movements. And exactly. One of two things happened. Either people end up becoming grifters too, like, like they got recruited to become grifters or they got disillusioned by the grifters. And I think maybe one third of the galvanized people probably stuck around and kept their hearts mm-hmm. in the right place. But yeah, I think a lot of them ended up becoming grifters or got disillusioned by the grifting. And that's my personal I, feeling. I think you're right. And I, that would definitely be my um, perspective too. And I think it's something else that you said. You know, it's a way. it was a way for the government and others who we wanted to stop this, you know, fire that was, that was brewing up by creating some, by making. You disappeared for a second. Are you still, or is it just me? See, is this work? Is this better? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you now. I, I have no idea if it was just me or if it was everybody, but I couldn't hear you for... But I heard you say something about no. the, the government, and then I couldn't hear you. Oh, I was saying, I think a lot of what you have said before about, you know, um, a lot of people becoming controlled opposition. And so I think that's a lot of what happened by them putting in plants. And that's not unusual. Once I really heard um, that video that you sent that I learned about um from one of our episodes when we were interviewing those professors, I learned That's about um, Gil, well, Gil Noble, yeah, um, like it is when he remember he was interviewing the informant, the the um, the guy who was an informant for I guess he uh, against the Black Panthers, I think it was. Yeah, and, and um, several and several places, the Black Panthers was one of them. His name was Doctor yeah. Harry. Yeah, so he um, he talked about a lot of things and the ways that they used media, the way that they used music. Um, to uh, basically um, quell a lot of these movements, right? So I think that's a practice that's probably even more advanced now than it was then. And probably a lot easier now that we have the internet and they know how to create division and issues um, in on social media where people start to believe this is the reality, right? So Also, also it's an like easier to lie to with the internet because you can just have a 400 pound middle-aged white man and he could just be like slay queen yes and he's pretending that he's like a 24 year old <laughs> black woman like you know be, now you can yeah. lie uh more than ever and uh i also wanted to invite gabrielle to jump in too while while we're talking um, oh hey know. gabriella yeah bring her in what's Hello. up i never, I never got <laughs> I, a chance to talk to gabriella hi 
I know. Hello. Oh, yeah. I just realized I've never actually, I guess maybe we haven't actually spoken. Well, I just want to start off by saying, um, since I don't commute right now, I do listen to the podcast. Like, I try to space them out. So I actually appreciate the new schedule to you. But um, I was just so now it's like I have to sh- like this is TMI, but like I listen to it like in the shower or like while getting ready or something. And um, I, I love the last one, the vegan one, because I feel like it reminded me of because um, I went to journalism school and like whatever writing and everything. And like it, re- like all of your commentary reminded me of like everything not to do in a personal essay which kind of annoys me because it's like how do these people get published like it's really uh anyway that's a whole different tangent but I think it just speaks to the space like I know how editorial works and I know like what T mentioned which is like there are editors out there who are like okay it's like January 4th we need a bunch of you know BLM like Black History Month writers and end up just getting these pitches and half of them are like some of them, like, there's not even a link to, like, like, it's very easy to just, you know, if you're writing an iPad, usually, like, you do need to actually prove your thesis, right? In this case, like, soul food. Sorry for people who in the audience who don't listen to the podcast. But, like, a lot of it was just, like, things you just say in, like, on Twitter just to bullshit. And it just felt really annoying to, like, not have anything substantiated being printed in, like, a real publication. But anyway... That was just my little tangent about that. Well, that's a good point, though. I don't want to let that go, actually. Okay. Um, be- because I think that's a really good point. I because I get edited it's and kind it's of like sorry, like my like I get things taken out like every other. You know, you've been edited. Like it's a really like it's a long process, and the fact that like some of the stuff we read is just like is this someone's like Tumblr? Like I don't understand. One right. Of two bad things is happening. Either. That's what we what we're seeing now is actually after multiple rounds of back and forth, or they're just letting it through um, without even caring, and both are kind of scary prospects. Yeah. You know? Like, um, well, I have it, a feeling it, it's it, because it, you like they think the problem with personal essay writing, and I used to edit some in back in the day, like the heyday twenty fourteen, but it's hard to really like objectify or ask people for facts or links to back up like their feelings because there's this whole movement of you know it's like it's their truth right like what they're writing is what lived they experience yeah exactly sorry Vita. but i was just gonna say that's a good point but the thing about the lived experience stuff you still need links <laughs> you know what i mean you still need resources you still need to tell us the bigger picture because nobody honestly cares gives a fuck about you or your little story like nobody cares like i don't know how to tell people that but reality is nobody gives a shit about you. So you have to link it to something bigger. What is the bigger story here? That guy's vegan article was a lot of whining. He referenced that we are discriminated against in certain ways or we're, um, as Black people, we have, um, we're the most impacted with in regards to food stuff, right? Which is fine, but then tell me how. How, like, I should have been reading that article and learned something. Your personal experience is supposed to link us and lead us to a bigger conversation. Mm-hmm. When you, I see these articles that don't do that, it's just like, well, the thing like is, a big waste of everyone's time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, there was, there were so many different like arguments that were being made, which is like, listen, like agriculture, I understand like what he was trying to make. Like, I think what T was trying to do is like, let's try to link all of these different like you know geo like well i mean in this case like where our food comes from like industrialization and it's like 
I understand that. And like, there is a lot of racism behind that, but it just felt very vague. And I would, I really actually want to read, you know, more of an in-depth thought about that. But like, he's not, he didn't get into like the farming or anything, you know? Right, exactly. Like there's an opportunity to talk about how black farmers are discriminated against, how our agriculture, um, agricultural um, opportunities have been, um, uh, um, We've been losing them, right? We've been losing. It was, like, it was, it was all breath. It was all breath and no depth. And I think he just wanted to hit every single topic to let people know, hey, I'm a good woke person. I think about all these yeah. things and just spend 10 seconds on every topic. But yeah. I feel like he had no actual intellectual curiosity about any of it. Yeah, it's just very formulaic writing. And like to me, it's like this is what the you know people complain about the op-ed like New York Times section being kind of basically that like giving platforms but it's like it's just the other side of the token of like people just saying things and not substantiating <laughs> and uh, the, anyway it's the offense section of the New York Times gets a lot of grief but the style section I think is the left-wing version of the same nonsense like it's yeah. it's uh tyrannically stupid the 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 style section and to tie to tie this back into the main topic I feel like the op-ed and personal essay and think piece um, uh, departments have been the economy. number one sign. Yeah, the think piece economy. Yeah, 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 the whole think piece economy, think piece industrial complex, I think is a good barometer <laughs> of, of, how, of how crazy, of how crazy we're, we're getting because so, think pieces are getting more and more deranged all, yeah. all the time. Speaking of this and they don't actual, make you think. Oh, yeah. They have to make you oh. think. They don't make you think shit. Like I know all I thought, you know what that piece that we're talking about, um, the vegan article was uh in, in the LA Times, I believe. And it, I didn't leave that article thinking more about anything. All I literally got was a lot of whining. And like you said, you asked me to ask my brother about it. I don't know if you saw what I said in the group chat. My brother's a vegetarian and I asked him how he felt. Did he feel ostracized or left out or anything like that my brother was like hell no he said <laughs> he was like what kind of whining ass shit is this he said especially in a place where like LA where we have so many options and in a lot of other places now there are more options so it didn't it's make funny, sense yeah it's funny that the, I was waiting for the article to mention um Beyonce and Jay-Z and like the sort of socioeconomical status but like he didn't even go that deep and no he didn't do none of that. Because they're, like, they're big vegans, so I don't know. I was like, okay, you couldn't even tie it to, like, pop culture. It's just, no. like, this is all just, like, very, like, surface-level writing, and I don't know. Anyway, um, the other other thing, if you don't mind, I just wanted to say, um, speaking of, like, the two years, like, I did find this podcast the last, you know, during COVID and just kind of, like, being, you know, alone, like, not wanting to be alone with your thoughts type of, um, it, you know, culture consumption, but I wanted to just... So this morning I was talking to a friend about like, he's like, I can't believe everyone's just like tweeting through today. Like nothing's going on. We're all just like on Slack and doing our jobs and stuff. And I'm like, I understand that. But like, don't, I mean, we're probably old enough to remember, like I woke up the day after 9-11 and like my mom just like took me to school and we all just like, you know, I grew up here near the city and like, we just like donated to the fire department and like, that was it. You just like move on. And I feel like that's such a thing with, American culture, like anytime a tragedy happens, isn't the whole theme of just like you pick up and like capitalism just keeps churning on, like you can't stop. And like the idea of people this morning freaking out on Twitter of like, I can't believe we're all just like doing our jobs right now at, from our home. And it's like, well, what, like, what is there to do? So I don't know. I just always find those really interesting because 
with COVID, the same thing happened. The like the first couple of days, everybody freaked out, and then we just kind of settled into this routine of like the world burning down. And I don't know. I just find that really fascinating. The only difference is that during the Iraq War. I remember when those like first bombs happened, like it was CNN, right? Like that was the only way you could get it versus social. Like now it's just all live Twitter feeds. And I think people are forgetting that like, this is just how we, how like we unfold events in our culture. But but what did they want people? So this is my question. You, I'm guessing you're talking about the Ukraine Russia thing. They want people to stop. Oh yeah. Sorry. Doing, I, to do yeah, what exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm guessing you're talking about that. I, I only learned about, I woke up and he was talking about it and saw some tweets, you know, talking about people not knowing about it. I'm going to be real with you. I don't care. Like, I, I, it's not that I don't think it's important. I'm sure it is, but I don't care. Why do I not care? There's so many other things to care about that for me, that that isn't one of them. Cause what the fuck am I, what else can I do other than tweet some shit and say some shit about some shit I, I really don't know much about. And even if you do your research, quote unquote, so much information is biased. I honestly wouldn't know how to filter through it. But Vito, what about thoughts and prayers? If enough people say thoughts and <laughs> prayers, that changes the world. Like, you might be the one extra thoughts and prayers that's a tipping point into ending this, you know? And that's why everything has to be raised awareness and thoughts and prayers. Because if enough people think <clears throat> and pray, enough people think and pray, then, you know, everything gets fixed. And that's what it sounds like they want people to do. Like, they want me to, to like, light a candle. You know how many wars I've already lived through? You know, um, I just kind of like I, I'm not going. I'm not going to join the military. I don't know shit about Russia or the Ukraine, other than the fact they're both racist as fuck. So I really wasn't sure where I was supposed to stand on this conversation. I don't give a shit about the Ukraine. I honestly don't. Um, there's nothing about it. Like, I, I I can't even think of a reason to give a shit until it, something hits home and I have to be concerned with it. But even then, there's literally nothing I can do. Like, what the fuck would I do? What do they want me to stop doing my job? Because like I said, I'm about to go out here try to get housing for people who are homeless. That to me is my real job. If you see how bad it is right now in LA, that to me is a bigger issue for me. I want to get people who are unhoused, living on the street into some shelter. That to me is important. What the fuck is going on in Ukraine is going on in the Ukraine. The US is always doing some shit. On top of that, when one thing is happening, there's a whole bunch of other shit happening that nobody else gives a fuck about. US is doing some bullshit in some country right now and nobody gives a fuck about it. But I'm supposed to give a fuck about the Ukraine? Wait, hey, Hirotu, what are your thoughts on that? You've been patiently waiting in the queue. Hey, what's going on? Can you hear, can you hear me? Uh, yeah, yeah. And before you start speaking, I just want to make a quick thing. Uh, you know, for everyone out there, <coughs> tweet that we're out in here. Text your friends. You know, there's a share button somewhere on this page. But sharing your social medias or... Let's get as many people in here as we can, because I really want to hear uh, where people's heads are at with anything, Ukraine, with COVID, with this new variant, BA2, whatever it's called. Are you taking your mask off and you're in the gym? Like, you know, uh, have you got therapy? Have you gotten out of therapy? Just how are you coping and how are the people around you coping? That's, that's what we want to hear today. And by all means, um, yeah, I just wanted to give a big shout out to, to, to Vita, man. Like <laughs> every time you speak, it's like, uh, it's just so refreshing to, to, to hear, like you just say, like, you don't give a fuck about what's going on in the Ukraine, man. Like that, I, I, I feel that deeply. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel that so deeply, man. Um, but, uh, yeah, everything is good. You know, I'm a long time listener, as you know, of, of the podcast, um, 
and uh yeah this the uh this the the the, the uh, discord is is just been like such a good place to be for the past two years for, for covid working from home and shit um uh yeah as, as you know t uh I, I live in japan i've been out here for almost 20 years um just teaching uh, english and shit um but yeah you know like i don't know man like with this covid shit and the fucking world and everything like i don't know man i i, I grew up you know in Brentwood, Long Island, you know, so I've, I've been, you know, grew up real poor in a poor community. So like, I've always been on high alert, you know, whether it's one thing or another. So I, I'm just, I'm, I'm just moving, man. <laughs> just fucking working, you know, just doing what I got to do to, to, you know, to survive. You know, I got a family and shit. Um, and for like COVID, it's been really good, man. Like I work at university, so we, we, we're working at home. I was working at home and I got to spend mad time with my daughter and my wife. And it's been, and then I saved mad money because I don't really have got to do bullshit. <laughs> so for me, it's it's been good, you know. Um, and uh, you know, personally, um, my family back home, it's been it's been rough in New York, you know, because my family's working class and shit. So, you know, um, you know, like I think everybody I know back home got COVID. I, I haven't had it yet. Knock on wood. Um, and it's it's rough out there, but uh, yeah, man. Like as you said, like you know, it's been a pretty crazy two years. But my whole life has been has been crazy. You know, we just talking about you know, um, you know, supporting homelessness and stuff. And yeah, I, I I was homeless for a little bit when I was a kid and shit. So like, I'm just you know, <laughs> it's it's never it's never it's never been calm for me personally. So it's uh, I'm just doing what I got to do. I think that's um, first of all. Um, thank you for sharing that. And I'm, you know, I know it's tough right now. And I know, you know, when you've grown up with not having a lot, and then you have these stressors of just that, and then the hard work you had to do to try not to make to make sure your family didn't have that experience. And on top of that, now you have this pandemic that completely alters the way that you were able to, you know, live your life, including how you were able to interact with your family or work with your family or whatever it is. So I know that's a lot. Let me ask you this. How do you foresee yourself moving in the future? Like, did you, do you feel like you learned a lot right now because of these tough times? Did you realize how strong you were? Did you realize what needs to change? Um, how do you see yourself moving forward? That's a mad good question. Um, yeah, you know, just, uh, just, just protect my neck, you know, just keep on. Just, just keep on. <laughs> um, Not him quoting Wu-Tang. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, just, you know, find, you know, just do what I keep on been doing, you know, like I was able to, to, to do pretty good. Um, so, you know, just keep on, you know, following my gut and, uh, you know, just, uh, yeah, like, you know, it's like, you know, be a part of the community, stay active, you know, um, and just, you know, keep, keep my mental health on, on point. Um, yeah, man, just, you know, just, just keep on moving. How do you keep your mental health on point? Um, you know, like, just surrounding myself with, you know, with good people and being a good person myself, man. Like it's, it's for me, it's simple, you know, like uh, I don't, I don't, I don't fucking play stupid games and I don't really win stupid prizes. You know, I say that now (laughs) in the future, but you know, just, just being, just, just keeping it real, really, you know, Um, for example, like, yeah, you know, like, for example, I know a lot of people out, you know, um, that are always trying to do new, a new scheme, jumping into crypto or doing this investment or 
you know, just trying to, you know, make, uh, trying to make magic happen. And they always, all, all the time, man, they're always getting burned. And for me, it's just like, yo, I just fucking go to work, mind my own fucking business. Um, you know, I donate money to here and there. I'll do some volunteer work with, you know, uh, with, with little kids and shit that don't have parents out here. Like in Japan, the orphanage system is really fucked up. So I, I you know, I try to help w- where I can. Um, but that's it, yo. Like, keep it simple. You know, because as, as, as you said, Vita, they ain't shit. I, what the fuck am I going to do about the fucking UK? What the fuck, <laughs> the fuck am I going to do? Right. <laughs> yeah, one, so. one thing, I, I realized two things. One was that I have too many ways to distract myself. Like, uh, when I actually had time to sit home and not go to work and do all this stuff, I was looking at the books I owned and I realized I can't finish these books in a lifetime. Like, why do I own this many books? And I got rid of like three quarters of my books. Like, I was like, if I had back-to-back days of not working and nothing to do but reading, I could not read. They start reading, but it's almost like a compulsion. Like I had a Netflix queue that was like 50 movies in it or shows. I'm like, I'm not going to watch these things. So I emptied out all my Netflix queues. I I said, I only want enough books in my life that I can see myself finishing within the next uh, two years. And it lessened a lot of the pressure in my brain is in, I think I unconsciously was walking through the world like I had never ending amounts of homework, where there was what's on my DVR, books to read, there's a whole bunch of stuff. And yeah, it was almost like a weird uh, crutch. But the second thing I realized from COVID is all you really need is someone's eyes to tell if they're ugly or hot. That's, that's, that's that's the piece of wisdom I learned from what? Like 99 <laughs> times out of 100 you can tell if somebody is ugly or hot just by their eyes like whenever you see somebody with a mask on and you think oh that person is probably ugly or that person is probably hot if the mask comes off 99 times out of 100 um, you are probably <laughs> right so I think women shouldn't even put makeup on their faces just put makeup on their eyes if, you, if your eyes are on point then you're then you're Rest of the face is fine. You don't have to do anything. Just uh, (laughs) worry about your eyes. Don't, you know, deal with anything else. If your eyes are on point, then you're you're doing good. (laughs) First off, you you know nothing about makeup, but um, (laughs) I'm telling you, you can transform. You're saying just work on your face, just work on your eyes, and the rest of your face will fall into line. I'm convinced. (laughs) Okay. I actually, I kind of know what you're talking about. And it's funny that you say that because that was something that was like the, um, that was guys pick up line for a minute. Um, you go out, like I was, I was walking to the liquor store and some guy was like, nah, I can tell you fine behind that mask. And I'm like, nigga. <laughs> like, but it's true. I thought it was but, bullshit when people said it, but it's true. <laughs> you, you really do know. I mean, I, I, I think I understand what you're saying. I think that's true. I just think it's funny because that was literally the pickup line for like a minute. <laughs> like, I don't know if guys are still doing it. He probably just realized himself that he had this superpower. Right? A lot of people <laughs> know he had this power. You can just look at someone's eyes, and, and you're almost always right. And I don't know. What, what do you think, Hiroshi? Um. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, in, in Japan, like I, I've, I've been on the mask game for a minute because they've been wearing masks out here for years. So yeah. Um. I. I don't know. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. What, what what is it? Um, what did that dude say in that uh, article? 
he he teeth fishes people. <laughs> I, so I I think that there's some eye fishes out there, but you know. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, real quick, uh, I'll I'll jump off. But uh, I just wanted to just uh, mention um, that last episode, and um, I think Gabriella was talking about like um, these kinds of how, how these things get published. And there's something in I think like anthropology called like an autoethnography. You guys know about that? Um, uh, no. So basically, an autoethnography. It's kind of like an autobiography, but it's done with more of like a research perspective. Um, so, like in addition to to talking about your experiences, which is an autobiography, like uh, autoethnographies often require like um, kind of social science like methodologies and stuff. Um, and like, you know, whether you like them or not, it's a, it's a you know, it's a, it's a re- research method. But I think what we're seeing with these kinds of narratives, uh, um, <laughs> talking about bodies and, and spaces, um, is a lot of people, they're using these kind of research terms and, d- and these very like loaded, I don't know that loaded, but these kind of terms that are, you know, valid, you know, in, in research when used in a, in a methodology like autoethnography, but they just use them to navel gaze, which is not what the autoethnography is. Um, so I think there's like a, some kind of a, a dissonance or misunderstanding um, that that's happening with places like the New York Times. They're saying, yeah, we're, 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 we're publishing voices of, you know, people with fucked up teeth and people who get, get, get uh, clowned on because they, they won't eat meat and shit by their family back home. And this is, you know, we're at the cutting edge of, of uh, you know, whatever. But, you know, that it's it's really just navel-gazing articles that, you know, as Vita pointed out, don't have any sources, don't give any examples. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, what we're seeing is just what media has, or journalism maybe, I don't know, is doing, like just talking about things that they don't really know how to talk about. If that makes any sense, but yeah, um, really looking forward to the rest of the episode. Um, thank you for that. That was a um really good um point, and also I think that was really good everything you said. Honestly, um, I actually have to go, but um, thank you guys for uh, letting me participate, and shout out to you, T. For sure, for sure, and have a good time tonight. Thanks. Hey, Andy, how's it going? Andy, did we put you to sleep while we were just yammering? No, on? no, my. Oh, there we go. There we go. Yeah, yeah, my phone had gone to sleep, and then I had to like turn it on or whatever. But um, I'm kind of glad Vita got off before I got on because I'm kind of embarrassed now because um, I, I I am kind of obsessed with the whole Ukraine thing, and, and uh, I feel like um, sometimes with foreign, I've I've really always been really into foreign policy stuff, and sometimes like in the back of my mind, like. I do think like, why, why the fuck do I care so much about this shit? Like I have no control over it. I don't, you know what I mean? And, and it is, it is kind of weird. And, and uh, you know, even of other like college educated people, like uh, a lot of people I know, like they just don't care at all, you know, and, and uh, not in an honest way. I feel like it was, it was nice to hear me to just honestly say, I don't care, but um I guess one thing, I, I think Q is in here too. So now uh, he might be able to, uh, talk about this, but like, 
just one thing that's just been driving me crazy today, man, is like, so I, you know, I've been into the Ukraine thing for a long time, like since at least like 2014, when like the um, Yanukovych like coup happened and stuff. And, uh, you know, so I've kind of known that there were these like right wing forces there and I've known about that stuff. And, uh, I, you know, I'm not like going around telling people about it or whatever, but, you know, and it was pretty wild, you know, to see Obama like essentially supporting that like passively or whatever anyway but it's just wild man like on i'm more on instagram like that's the only social media i really use regularly but like just to see everybody like just being like you know stand with ukraine 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 you know all these kind of like white lib types who you know were posting the black square and doing black lives matter and blah 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 and like if you mentioned to any of these people, like, hey, you know, there's like legit Nazis there, <laughs> like, they just go nuts, man. It's crazy, you know. So, it's really, it's really been messing with me today, and and uh, just the just the switch from like, you know, Black Lives Matter. Oh, we care about white supremacy, decolonize this, like, blah blah blah. Um, to now, like, you know. And I, I'll even see people on there being like, oh, there's only one battalion of Nazis. Like, there's not even that many Nazis. And it's like, it's, it's wild, man. So, I don't know. I just wanted to get what you guys thought about that. Siskiyou so just, just joined us. I want to give him uh, the chance to... Uh... And I, yeah, you know, just uh... before, before I say anything, that, I'm not saying, oh, yeah, Russia is really going in there because they're Nazis or anything like that. I'm, I'm not like, you know, like that. Just to say, like... It's just wild to see people kind of ignoring that reality. Sorry, I'll, I'll let you go. I'm, I'm off. No, it's all good. Um, man, I – first of all, I didn't even sleep last night. Like, I had I had no sleep. I, I, uh, I was – my anxiety was, like, through through. But, yeah, it has been wild to see, like, how people's true politics come out and, like, how quickly they flip. Um I even saw. I don't know if you uh, if you know who uh, Terrell Starr is. Oh, oh my yeah, god, dude, his, his, dude. he's the best. His takes <laughs> are so awesome. Chicago like, is like. like <laughs> how does that guy remember to breathe? That, that guy <laughs> is so dumb that I am surprised. Like one day he just didn't die because he just forgot to inhale. Like I'm forgetting something. I'm, I'm forgetting something, and he just Kevin, died. Did you see the thing where he went to like an anti-Semitic restaurant and thought yeah. he was Jewish? Oh god. Oh, my god. <laughs> a picture of Vladimir Putin, right? Uh, that had like hammer and sickle, and also the six pointed star, like the the star of David. All right, like he, he, he he's, he's the Ralph he, Wiggums of oh, geopolitics. Huh. He is. He's like just a big. I, I, I wouldn't even say like a golden shepherd because, or like a golden retriever either. But like, if you like throw a stick and tell a golden retriever to fetch, it'll actually go fetch. He is like, if you like threw a stick and waited for a golden retriever to fetch, and then the golden retriever died of oxygen deprivation, right? Like, he's just the dumbest fucking dude. And he's like, he got picked up by the Atlantic Council. And this nigga took a picture, like his profile picture for the Atlantic Council, with uh, an Angela Davis T-shirt on. Like, yeah, I, I, I saw that. I saw that picture, and, and and somebody told me that they think he's like CIA uh, plant or op. But I'm like, the CIA could do better than that. I just think he's a grifter 
who inserts himself in every narrative. Like, I mean, maybe Bro, he is a CIA he, op, but he, I would think so. Not only did he, okay, not only uh, is he a grifter that inserts himself into every narrative. Remember, um, he was on the Ukraine beat and on the like the Eastern Europe beat, but only to the extent that he literally got on the Twitter timeline and asked people, hey, can you send me some books on Ukraine and Russia? I'm trying to learn more about this situation. And then he positioned himself as an expert on Ukraine and Russia mere weeks after asking people, can you send me some books on the topic? Isn't that weird? They do that a lot. They publicly admit they don't know something in the timeline, and then yeah. a couple months later, they act like experts, and everybody forgets. Uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones did that with reparations. She, 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 one month she tweeted during during the pandemic when reparations was a hot topic. Anyone have any good reading on reparations? And then two months later, she was on a reparations panel. And she was talking, she was doing long about reparations. Yeah, I, I, like, I remember that. And then, um, so I uh, when he did that, like when he was uh, trying to, like uh, trying to, I guess, like develop himself as an expert. This is right when um, he had taken those pictures at that uh, anti-Semitic restaurant, and um, he was holding the he was holding a, a Ukrainian flag, but not just the Ukrainian flag that had the, the two colors, like the the blue and yellow flag, but he had uh, a flag with um the tricep like the trident um he had the ukrainian flag with like that seal the uh, the tricep on it and he said glory to ukraine like slava ukraini which when you say it that way with that symbol on it was like a fascist greeting and this dude hey hey he actually tweeted out a picture uh, or sorry he tweeted he tweeted out um right sector in the his house but right sector is this fascist organization um, that has its roots in uh, in um, uh, the UPN, which was this uh, this this paramilitary that literally killed a hundred thousand Polish people. And so, uh, right sector flies their flag, the the red and black flag. When you say like right sector in the his house, well, first of all, who the fuck has been saying? his house since like, I don't know, like 1995 or some shit. But it's like saying like, like, uh, like Hammerskins in the his house or like, uh, you know, like the, the, uh, the brown shirts in the his house. Why the, why the fuck would you say something like that? You, you know what I mean? He, so like, he, he was I mean, saying I mean, all that, he was saying all that like dumb raising, shit. Raising the roof. That's like really, really. Yeah. Crazy. But when you but when you say that, it's like it's like saying like like um you know like uh like SS in the his house. Like why the fuck would you say that? So people were making so much fun of him that he had to drop all of that talk about being like a Ukraine expert or that being his like area of specialty or what. He stopped talking about it and. Um, he was uh, working with the root and tried to pivot to black politics again. So he stopped talking about um, about Eastern Europe and got back on the the black politics beat. And um, those that was when he was taking pictures of himself doing like uh, like silk acrobatics. Do you remember that? He was he was doing like like oh, uh, oh, oh 
kind of arrow yoga stuff? Yeah, 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 yeah. He, yeah, he was doing that, and he was uh, becoming a stand for Kamala Harris's uh, Democratic uh, primary campaign. Mm-hmm. So he he, to, <laughs> he pivots to everything. That's he got on that, and and. And I, I was like, I know exactly what he's going to do. I know he's going to do this shit. I know he's going to do this shit. Not even 30 days after, again, like pivoting back to black politics and starting to talk about Kamala's primary, he tweets out that he thinks that black men are too sexist to support Kamala Harris. Like that's going to be her huge obstacle is because black men are not going to want to vote for a black woman for president. And I'm like, bro, there there is actual like there are studies on whether black men will support women for uh, positions of office. And it turns out that of all of the groups, like out of all demographics uh, that will support a woman in office, the the like the most likely demographic to support a woman of any background in office are black women and right behind them are black men. And then there's everybody else. Right. So like he was just full of shit. But because um, when he was trying to do the the whole like uh, Eastern European expert, it was a bunch of white people just laughing him out of that entire milieu that it was like, OK, so I'm just I'm getting my ass beat in the quote tweets like everybody thinks I'm a fucking loser and a moron. So he stops talking about that stuff because like when white people clown you out of out of um an area of expertise, like you, you, like you can't. If you, if the white people are laughing you out, you just can't do it. Like you, you will not prosper. Jason, that's happened to Jason Johnson. Like, like he was, yeah, but, sticking up the joint at the root for a while. And they yeah, like MSNBC. They, but like, yeah, that's the thing. But like, but when um, you do the exact same thing inside of black politics, it doesn't matter how many black people clown you. As long as white people are willing to listen to you, then you're still you still have your credibility. Like exactly. you still have some cachet. It, it, so I was actually surprised that he ever pivoted back to um, Eastern European politics, and that's about when he got the uh, fellowship with the Atlantic Council. Um, he ended up leaving the route, and I guess just doing like independent journalism. I was actually shocked that he did that, but I guess the gamble paid off because now like. Everybody wants to see the woke, uh, the woke case. Excuse me, the woke case for supporting Ukraine, and he is such a fucking sellout in that area to the extent that he he said that um, uh, uh, Vladimir Putin, like hit, Putin's view of Ukrainians, is the same as like the KKK's view of black people, and that um, uh, he 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 coined this phrase and I'm never going to forget this because uh, people showed it to me today on Twitter. Like when they saw it, they fucking tagged me in the screenshot over and over and over. Cause people who follow me on Twitter fucking hate me. Right. Like even though they, they might like um, support uh, these shows or whatever, the fact is they actually hate me and they wish the worst for my psychological health. T this nigga actually said critical Ukraine theory. That's what he called um, Putin's view <laughs> of Ukrainian people. He called it critical Ukraine theory. Oh, he's Bro. the best. 
Oh my god, he's the best. Oh I took god. so much psychic damage. Just like, I don't even go looking for his tweets or anything. People will fucking scream because he blocked me a while back. Um, when I like, I, I brought up the this you and showing him, like, not only like hanging out with these neo Nazis, but like promoting them and saying dumb shit like right sector in his house. So he blocked me for that. Um, but now he's like, oh well, you know, calling calling Ukrainians Nazis is like calling black men super predators. Like he's actually getting away away with that shit. And what, what, so, what, 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 it sounds like the, it sounds like the N word. Uh, basically. He, bro, no, he he actually said um, that calling them that is like calling black people a slur. He actually was afraid to say n words. So I'm like, yo, this this is the this is the first unambiguously black man to to lose his n word pass. Oh yeah, like if he actually says it, it's it's and it actually sounds racist. Uh, uh, hey hey Ryan, I want to give you a chance to jump in. You've yeah, been, sorry, go uh, ahead, Ryan. You've been patiently waiting. Uh, I do want to add one quick. Uh, Actually, Ryan, say what you're gonna say, and then, and then I'll pick up because I want to. Uh, Ryan's been waiting for a while. Uh, I just want to tell Q that he knows that uh, toxic masculinity is gonna get us killed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, fuck you! Ah, <laughs> oh, kiss my ass. Uh, that was the stupidest tweet ever. No, I can't even say that. I- I'm gonna be real with you. Since this shit has gone down, um, the amount of insane takes is like a never-ending well of just. It just keeps going. Um, like, and it's just funny because it's, I appreciate Vita's sort of, uh, approach where she says she just openly, honestly, like, I don't give a fuck. Right. Um, and I do feel like, I do feel like a lot of people actually sort of feel that way. Uh, but they've all, they're so invested in this sort of like the, the sort of binary sort of sides of thinking on everything that they can't, like they have to take a side, even though it's clear, like if you did any casual research, like about like Ukraine and Russia, like it would paint a very different picture. And it's not one that's like so easily like just, okay, these guys are good. These guys are bad. You know what I mean? And it's just like, there's no nuance, everything like, okay. One of the most important tweets that I just saw was uh, from uh, you guys. You just know Ja Rule tweeted that war is uh, not the answer. <laughs> uh, you know, like this is, and then there was the Anna, the Anna Lynn McCord, like video where she was talking to Putin like he was if I was your mother it's just like it's just shit is just it's just not I don't it's like you know like we've been through so much like we've been through so much in these past few years with the pandemic um and just to see like what's going on and then and then like I think it was uh uh Dr. CBS she made that good the good point of like how all of a sudden you have people that were like switched from epidemiologists to like uh geopolitics now they're like Mm -hmm. experts and it's like none of these people really have a sense, like even a casual understanding of like like U.S. imperialism, right? Not like, everybody has to have a fucking forward-facing take. opinion on everything. Right. And on everything, and I wish I wish that people would just take that stance more more now than ever. Like I'm still on Facebook, and you know I know Facebook is going to have weird ass takes. It's Facebook, right? But I've been friends with uh, 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 Shane Black, the screenwriter Shane Black, right? Like, he's, you know, Lethal Weapon and all these other fucking movies. And, like, he's sharing, like, weird screenshot tweets. Like, he shared a tweet. I'm going to have to actually look at it. It's like, uh, yeah, some guy named Jeff Tiedrich. I'm not sure. He shared a tweet. That, and here's a tweet. No one could have predicted the party of Nazis, racists, mall creepers, pedophile wrestling coaches... Sex trafficking Florida party boys, blackout drunk rapist judges, 
concentration camp fanboys and bone saw murder apologists would also be the party of Putin loving stooges. Like what in the hell are you talking about? Like, you know what I mean? Like what is like people are really drawing lines in the sand about Putin, like as if like it's that cut and dry as if like, oh, so everyone that's saying that's not for uh, this sort of the invasion of Ukraine, right? Like everybody's like, like we should, there's one clear, there's one clear side that's the liberal side that people have to take, regardless of the fact that they don't understand anything that they're talking about. I love, they don't understand. I love when people, when it comes to being Democrats, just associate it with all types of moral things that have nothing to do with politics. Like it's not even like about the, the, the party of um, labor or anything. That person said, uh, pedophiles, as if liberals can't be pedophiles. Like Hollywood is not just chock full of uh, liberal ped- pedophiles. Like <laughs> it, it's kind of weird how when you believe you're in the right political party, you just create this like halo effect for everything. Like you know, uh, we're the ones who are never pedophiles. <laughs> we're Democrats. Sure. We're the ones it's, who never are racist. Like, we're never this. We're never that. It, it's Right, it's like big baby brain energy. Like it's like these. This is like childish takes. Everything is viewed through this binary lens. You know, it's it's like these people don't live in reality. They live in the MCU. Like it's the Marvel universe for these people. There's only good guys and bad guys, heroes and villains, and it's that. That's the only way that they can synthesize anything. Like it's just like yo, that is like the most unsophisticated, like lack of nuance. Like about this whole shit. Like, like, and like you were saying, like, you could just not have a take at all. That would be better. You know, that would be better than these, these silly takes about, you know, uh, Ukraine, like that people don't, I know these people don't know. I know they don't, I know they don't understand what's going on. Like I have a, uh, I have a friend like, who's like a Russian historian at the university of Alabama. And she's basically made the point, like to try to get people to understand was like, like, imagine if you will, like Mexico, Cuba, and Canada join like the Warsaw Pact and had Russian armaments and, like, Russian military bases, how do you think the U.S. would react to that? You know what I'm saying? It's not It's not like saying this, that doesn't make Putin the good guy or justify his actions, but, like, that's, like, the proper context of understanding, like, a post-Soviet Russian perspective, dog. Like, there's no way, like, that. it's so naive to think that Russia wouldn't respond that way, and especially considering the history it's because when with the, with the whole like election back in 2014 with the Ukraine right and the US involvement in that shit like you know what I mean installing a puppet regime and the neo-nazi fascist shit like there's so many layers to this that just the average person doesn't understand and if even like, they just took the time they just took the fucking time to like just not say shit at all if, or, 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 or look into it just a little bit but even then you don't have to have a fucking take you know what I mean like, uh, it's inter- uh, it's inter- go ahead sorry something really, something really funny Right. Uh, like, for example, I don't know anything about this, really. So, like, I do some reading on it, but it's like I just kind of realized I don't know that much about it. So I try to read people who I trust about it. But, like, last night when this was going on, I had just reached season five of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Like, I've just still been binging it since the last episode because I just n- never really saw these episodes. So I'm just there watching that and everything. And I'm like, I could freak out about this, but what can I really do? But. I went to sleep, I woke up today, and I made the first mistake. And this is something that I really want to ask people about. I feel like Twitter used to be a great alternative to the news, but now Twitter is just its own brand of bullshit. Like, you just can't find good... Like I remember when Black Lives Matter and that stuff first happened and all those uh, police shootings. 
I used to watch the news and see nothing going on. Then I would go to Twitter and there'd be all these great articles from all these places. Or or when um, the 2016 election was happening, there were all these great articles about uh, what was really happening in the elections and you couldn't trust MSNBC. But now Twitter is just its own brand of bullshit. And I saw this thread. Did you guys see this one? It reminds me of what you were just saying, uh, Ryan, where you're talking about everyone just filters everything through the MCU. Somebody tweeted uh, with the screen name Enjoyer underscore Delaney, how the Avengers would react to the Russian invasion of Ukraine, a thread. And, oh, 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 my oh, God. Come on, man. Did you guys, did you guys see that just, one? Or is it... just, just drop the nukes. Just drop the nukes, bro. It's, it's yeah, crazy. yeah. A, a, a search Avengers Ukraine thread on Twitter in real time, and it'll be the first thing that pops up for people who are listening. And the first picture has, um, in fact, I just retweeted it on the Champagne Sharks uh, Twitter timeline. So if you look at um, Champagne Sharks uh, Twitter timeline, it'll be the thing I just retweeted. And they have a gif of, you know, the Avengers standing in a circle. And it's like, one, Captain America. Don't worry, guys. I've seen these Russians before. I've seen Stalin. Putin doesn't stand a chance. Throw shield at Russian shoulder. Soldier snapping his spine. Thor, this was a good job for me. Not so fast as Falcon. That, this has to be. This has to be parody. It's got to be parody. <laughs> I, I, I don't wish. know. I mean, so no, I no. Even if it's parody, and enough it's people hard, engage it earnestly, yeah, it's still scary to me. <laughs> it used to be you could delineate that shit so clearly, but now it's like. This shit, it's so, the, like, the discourse is so absurd, and, like, every, it's, like, again, like, I know, like, we get all of the comparisons of, like, we live in a simulation, and, and at this point it's cliche, but it just does feel at times, like, yo, this shit is just too much of a parody to be real, like, it, you don't even know who's serious anymore, like, because a lot of times you find out that, oh, you think someone is, like, playing a joke, and then you realize, like, no, this is their actual belief system or ideology or lack thereof. But, 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 but like even even if it's a joke, like Scott Greer from Daily Caller retweeted it earnestly. So it's like, <laughs> even if it's a joke, I still think it's a scary threat because a lot of people were retweeting it totally earnestly. Okay, check, check, check this one out though, right? Like, uh, I, I just I just now tweeted this out um, because it was like the, the absolute worst takes I've seen in the last twenty four hours. Uh, one was a lady who said, "This isn't discussed much, but." Putin very much benefits from white privilege. I just can't see a scenario in which a black or brown man running Russia would be allowed to invade Ukraine with no devastating consequences. See Crimea in 2014. White supremacy will destroy us. Right? Like, just, just unironic. And then um, another another one, another one. Another... He's just what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for someone to say, black people or black women warned y'all. About Ukraine, like what the fuck? Which ones? <laughs> who? Who the? Yeah. Who? Everything bad that happened. Yeah, that same uh, black blue check grifters always say. Oh my god! Black people warned y'all this was gonna happen. You know, it's like COVID. Black people warned. <sighs> wait, wait, we did. When did we? Do? When did that happen? Okay, and then uh, another one. Let's talk about sanctions. Uh, how about not releasing the Batman in Russia? And all comic book flicks thereafter. <laughs> it's a limited thing. Sure, look, we know superheroes aren't real, but perhaps they can be a small part of the solution. Dish out the consequences they have never seen. 
This was Ernest, okay? Oh my and then, God. and then, and then, and then fucking Jank Uyghur got into the, the mix. He said, right wing doesn't love Putin just because he's an authoritarian, tyrannical leader. They love him because he's a white authoritarian leader. Race has become more important than nationality. They've turned on democracy and now even America in favor of a white warlord. And I'm like, hold on. I want to tie this back into the main question and pull yeah. the question back to you guys based on yeah. what you guys just said. And also, um, when we move on to Jasper, I'll pose it to her as well. Do you think, and this is something I really struggle with, do you think people were always this crazy? But we just didn't have a mic for everyone to speak. No, it's something. Or, or, or something is getting crazier. Something is accelerating. Like there is something. In the ether, right? Something is. We're spiraling out of control. Yeah, it feels that way. It feels that way. You know, I want to say no. I want to say like, but also then I really think about it, and when I really look into history, I feel like it's like it's always been insane. Like people have always been insane, and as the public at large has always had like insane people with insane takes and belief systems and and it, it, so it's like it's but it does feel like it's gotten to a point where like so many people's brains are they're just they're brain poisoned to the point where it's like yo what is happening like and it's happening all you can do is kind of laugh like at this point because it's like you don't really have any sense of control over this shit you could just you just sit, everyone's like watching this in real time and sort of like sort of the only coping mechanism to deal with some of this shit sometimes is just to point out how absurd it is and like hopefully nudge the person next to you like yo you are you do you see how like absurd and stupid this is like i feel like that's kind of like what we're doing right now because it is very much like like some shit that i just don't understand like how we even existed as a civilization up to this point with this many like insane like anti-intellectual stupid people like and that's not just like i don't even mean the proletariat at large i mean like people in charge well, well, like we have well, dumb people running shit. well, well, well i'll say this i mean they're always crazy people but now you will before you have to go and talk radio on am and hear some kind of crank like hey this is joe from brooklyn let me tell you i think these aliens are got you know and they're just mm. going some crazy some crazy thing now someone will do a crazy take and you'll click it and it'll be like columbia university professor uh Think tank writer, uh, you know, uh, ex cabinet of, of Bill Clinton. It's like, wait, this person actually somebody people listen to who went to like who got a PhD at the Ivy League, and they're talking like a crank, like you know. So I think something has changed. Like, like there's there's trickle up insanity. I think there's trickle right. up crank. I'm a, I'm gonna move to the, I'm gonna hang up so other people can talk, guys. Cool, cool. All right, be good. All right, Crespi, what you got for us? Hi. Uh, hi, hi, QNT. Um, I, I, this is why I'm into astrology and God now. Uh, you might as well. You might as well. Be. <laughs> hey, hey, AT, I just, I just thought, oh my gosh, the way that she just put that, I just thought of uh, a potential alternative name for the show. You know, uh, mind your T's and Q's. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cute. I like that. It is. Um, but yeah, like I, I, since the pandemic, I've, been it's been a lot um i'm sure it's been a lot for everybody so i've gone through like my uh, astrology phase and like looking through all types of like like romantic german philosopher phase and um just to like get my mind off of the bullshit 
And uh, the only solution that I found solidly, like that's kept me going uh, for the last couple of months has been um, like fitness. <laughs> um, so I've been like swimming that that has been amazing for my like coping of all this shit. Um, and it, when it comes to like, like the Ukraine stuff, I am not paying attention um, because I'm just one uh, regular person who has no uh, power in the geopolitical uh sphere so, so that's what that's essentially it for me but yeah um, uh like how, how have you been making out the last few days because i will say that like first of all i've been on twitter way too damn much um but second like i was not a like i was not able to sleep because i was i don't know like very close to just a straight up panic attack but like um like my my nerves are absolutely frazzled, and like trying to maintain some semblance of normalcy has been incredibly difficult. Uh, because it's hard to act like I don't know how difficult is it to like wake up and like you know hop on the train and clock into work when all of this shit is happening. Like it, it oh, the last two years has been a lot of bullshit to go through. Um. Uh, yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, sorry. Astrologically, I think the last week there's been a lot of bullshit. Like, like everybody's felt something. Like everyone who I know who's sensitive to things <laughs> has been like, "Whoa, there's some sort of strange thing going on." Um, that aside, um, I honestly, it's, I, like for the last couple of days, I've been like hitting <laughs> hitting the pool for longer and doing longer swims until like my arms mm-hmm. burn to get through it. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Like, like for me, for me, I went back to the gym. Uh, I think it was August or September. So it's been like three or four um, months now, and that was pretty good to have that routine of just someplace outside the house to go regularly and like um, exert. But then, the past month, I added uh, yoga. Like I started doing yoga, and I just started doing like five to six days. A week like I just really really got into it because it's literally around the corner from my house so all I have to do is just just walk there and what started happening to me is I started spending less time on Twitter somehow but it's not like I was super busy from the yoga because only like about an hour a day but I would get so like relaxed in my body that I would just start falling asleep places and I was normally very much a uh, insomniac or I held like a lot of anxiety or pressure in my body and I just found myself, like, if I would sit at home and no one would talk to me for, like, 10, 15 minutes, I would just fall asleep, you know, which wasn't something that would happen before. And I just started realizing, like, um, wow, I really had a lot of tension or something happening in my body. It just had me uh, wired in a way that I didn't, I didn't realize. But it's kind of weird. It's almost like... I have, a ne- I have the opposite problem now in that I feel like I'm almost too detached now. Like, I just kind of am having trouble getting worked up about things that I used to. In one way, it's kind of good. One, in other way, it's kind of bad for content. Like, I don't still really want to make a lot of threads, really. You know, I just uh, want to just lay back and melt into the couch or anything. So, so, yeah, it's kind of weird. Like, I think I'm almost having the opposite problem where... It's helped with my anxiety a lot, but now I just kind of, you know, I'm a little too kind of blissed out now. I, I almost wonder if it's making me kind of apathetic in a bad way. 
So I, um, so with swimming, I've had a similar sort of, I've struggled with a lot of insomnia for like this whole pandemic and even a little bit before them. Um, and with the swimming again, I've noticed that like, I am way more connected to my body and that like, I have less thoughts actually in my head because I'm, I don't know, it feels like I'm actually processing things in a more, I don't know, holistic way. Connected so, to yeah. your body is a great way to put it. I, I agree. That's, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. So it's like, I'm not actually in my head as much. I'm kind of like more, I don't know, in my chest or I actually feel more things in my gut. Um, so like when it comes, actually, I had the similar thing of like not wanting to post on Twitter or even like interact with Twitter anymore, uh, as much, uh, because I like look at it and I'm like, I'm, this is beneath me. I've transcended this <laughs> on some level. Um, but, but, and, but you know, for me, like, it's not even that. It's like, I feel like I'm above it or like, you mm -hmm. know, or whatever. So I just can't get worked up enough to like, there'd be some main character of the day happening. And I'm like. I don't really have the energy to think of a joke for this, or like, <laughs> I don't really care enough to make a joke about this. Like, like that obligation to comment on every character of the day was kind of like, you know, fading. I just kind of wanted to sit in my couch and just, you know, um, crack open like this book that I was trying to finish reading or something, you know. Like, so like, so like the Annalyn the Core thing, I was like, uh, maybe she's crazy, and then. <laughs> I Googled, and it turned out she has dissociative identity disorder. So she has, like, she came out a couple of years ago saying that she has multiple personality disorders. I was like, oh, so she, I was joking, but she really does seem to have some kind of mental issues. And wow. I couldn't I couldn't really work myself out to make fun of her. But before, I would have just jumped right in. But I said, hmm, let me find out what's actually going on with this woman. And then I said, oh, she actually might, it might actually literally be... Um, having a mental break so well yeah well because i find like twitter is all like it engages your to get like all um like fruity with it um it engages with the ego like it's all everyone's always poking at each other's egos all the time sometimes i'm impressed with q for being like online so much and i'm like is he okay no um, i'm not okay that's why i'm online so much yeah i'm like <laughs> i like you gotta, yeah, you gotta take more breaks from it because it's really not, um, not a good. I see people like going nuts, and I really, I worry about them. But then also, um, yeah, I sublimate that feeling with swimming. So yeah, that's essentially how I process life right now. Um, but yeah, 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 and, and part of me wonders if it's healthy or not. I think it is, but I'm not always really sure. Like, is this like a weird cope I'm doing? You just always be in yoga like every, every day and whatever. Like, is it my own lofty way of just? being apathetic but at the same time at the very least i know it's probably good for me as an individual like health wise like i'm just, it can't be good for my cortisol the way i was i was before but maybe in exchange for taking care of the world maybe i'm somehow like i was actually trying to get a guest to talk about that because because there's a guy whose book is called uh mick mindfulness his name is ronald purser and the whole thing is that he's saying that by selling people mindfulness and these like mental meditation hacks to um you know uh feel better and stuff that a lot of this mindfulness stuff is um ruining people's sense of civic responsibility and political engagement and i'm like maybe that's true i don't know but i feel i felt the other way wasn't working either being constantly engaged i was driving myself nuts yeah like i i think 
so I've, there's a bunch of like, I feel like I've, I've really become detached from a lot of the popular psychology talk online, especially like, you know, all the coping mechanisms, breathings, what, whatever, like it, it, I find it's like all to manage how shitty the world is um, and not actually addressing the underlying issues. And so like, I've kind of felt like, you know, my, the fact that I'm managing my stress through like physical activity is just a way to like manage the stress. And I understand that it's not actually addressing those issues. And I've, I kind of think about it this way. Like I don't feel currently strong enough to, I don't know, like get into organizing or doing anything like, like I'm not at that point right now. Um, but like, I see this all as a preparation for doing more later or at some point, like when I can take it on, I will. Um, and so that I see it that also, way. It's not. I'll also go to toss in that. There are so many people who definitely need to take care of some mental or emotional issues in the organizing spaces who clearly are trying to use the organizing to avoid uh, fixing whatever is wrong with them. And as a result, the whole organization ends up, you know, becoming toxic. So I do think there's definitely something to that, that a lot of times taking care of your own mental and emotional health does make you... Um, a better organizer like you shouldn't use it as a replacement for real real organizing which is kind of like what my problem with a lot of bell hook stuff is i feel like a lot of her stuff is to use like this kind of new age or kind of blissful thinking as a substitute for actual real informed engagement but i do think there is a place for self-care and all that stuff not as a replacement for politics but at least as a way to put you in the place where you can actually eventually do good politics. So I just want to say, I definitely agree with what you're saying there. Yeah. Thank you. I'll, I'll uh, get off. So someone else can come on. Uh, uh, thank you so much. Thanks guys. again, Jaspreet. Thank you. And, and before we take the next caller, I just want to say if you're in here and you're enjoying this, by all means, tweet this out, reach out to other people. Let's get other people up in here, uh, share it on your social medias, text your friends, get your mom in here. Let's get some boomer opinions. It's all good. And with that said, let's go on to D. And something else, for people that we take out of the queue, so sometimes we take people out of the queue just to keep it going, but you're always welcome to come back up. So if we've taken you out of the queue at some point tonight, you know, it's nothing personal. You're always welcome to come back up. So, yeah, uh, D, how's everyone? I mean, how are you doing? Hope you're doing okay. Um, I'm hanging in there. Uh, wow, it's good to finally talk to you, T, uh, Q. Um, yeah, so I'm actually uh, trying to change my name. I'm actually Corn Pops from the uh, Discord. So I'm taking a picture there. Um, yeah, so this whole pandemic has been uh, a bit of a roller coaster. Um, I just want to thank you, see that I found your uh, podcast and it really helped me during the whole pandemic situation. Um, uh, I actually, I think I mentioned this like maybe once or twice on the, on the Discord, but. Uh, I lost actually a lot of weight, and I do attribute that to you know, um, you know, your podcast and listening to that when I was just you know walking and stuff like that. So I had this really huge transformation during basically 2020 through 2021. <laughs> well, of all the things people have credited our podcast for, massive weight loss is that's got to be the first one. I'll definitely take it. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I'm glad that we're yeah, helping. Yeah, no, it's, it, it's, it's, it just helped me to think about a lot of things as, you know, the reason why I was um, as heavy as I was and just the whole, you know, I just think also other things that, you know, that were kind of, um, that I was, kind of, you know, 
wasn't really dealing with, uh, that it was kind of like working from home, things like that. So, yeah, but no, it was it was a big help and just helped me think about things. Um, so yeah, I just want to thank you for that. Um, yeah, so, uh, uh, thank thank you. But uh, real quick, can you remind me? I missed what you said. Who are you on on the Discord? Oh, for people uh, who don't know the audience, we have a Champagne Sharks Discord. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm Corn Pops on the. Uh, on oh, great, great. Nice to ha uh, have a voice associated with the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I sometimes I'm on and off, or I, I, I always usually pay attention to what's going on, but I usually try not to speak unless I really know what I'm talking about, which, you know, apparently, you know, from recent the last couple of days, all these different places I've been saying and everything else, it's just, you know, more people need to take that advice. But um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll, I just try to speak on things that I really, you know, have a, have a deep, deep understanding about or have a really, like, good opinion on. Um, but yeah, no, it's, um, I would say, you know, how I'm holding up these last couple of days, um, you know, I do work for the city, so I've kind of been back in the office since last summer and, you know, nearly full time, well, actually full time. So it's been kind of rough. Um, so I guess these last couple of days have just been, you know, another thing that you kind of have to deal with, but, um, you know, it's. I don't, I'm not really on Twitter like that as much. I kind of, I'm just like a lurker. So I just like, I don't necessarily always follow certain accounts. So I'll just like look and see what other people are saying. And it's, 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 it's really bad. Um, just, just from, from what I'm seeing. And it's, you know, I, I just th tend to think that people really like to sound smart or sound well-informed. And I wouldn't say that this is also necessarily like a, just, you know, some of the bad takes you, you on Twitter, I think this also is in real life because this, you know, um, just hearing people's conversation about this whole Ukraine Russia business, and it's just, it, you know, even in person, just from what I'm hearing on my job, I'm just like, you know, you know, I don't really want to hear this at work. Um, I really don't want to be here at, in, at all. But you know, unless I don't, I don't really want to hear anyone else participate with their insane take or anything else. I just want to, you know, do my seven, eight hours and just go home. But I think it's just people who really just like to sound intelligent and just really, you know, just like to pump their chest out. And it's just, it, it, this is like not just Twitter. This is just real life. And it's, it's really, uh, I, I don't know. I feel like mainstream media, uh, along with like ex-Tumblr people who migrated over to Twitter, I call them Tumblr refugees. I think those are the two main things that really kind of ruined uh, discourse on Twitter. Because I feel like on Twitter... Even the reporters were always there. They weren't there. It wasn't as normal as it is now. Like I, from what people tell me now, to be in journalism or to be an author, or to be in media at all, like you're almost expected to have a Twitter presence and to have some kind of um, following. So everyone is just there, like stinking up the joint. And it used to not be like that. There's only a handful of um, extremely online journalists on, you know, Twitter. But like most of them weren't really on there like that. And and there weren't like weird Tumblr people making everything about trauma, no matter what the topic is, and you know, and and doing all this stuff. So I feel like when I used to be on Twitter, there are people who were weird in this really kind of thoughtful, nerdy way, and you would get a lot of good alternative news and takes on stuff. But now you, you just get stuff like MSNBC people just tweeting normie nonsense and. And it's just become like a collecting place for just um, 
really banal people with big with big platforms uh, and some like there needs to be a word for what I call like the normie crank like like not the pizza gator who you know is a plumber in podunk who you know has is in his basement you know reading about um QAnon and Pizzagate all day but you know the person who um works for a university uh has a six-figure salary appears on MSNBC every other day and just believes like the craziest shit about Russia about um uh the the dossier you know the steel dossier and the um what was that thing with with um Mueller the Mueller report and you know like respectable mainstream crankery like I feel like that's the biggest enemy to like sanity right now because um I'll give one quick story about my mom my mom uh, she's retired. I, go, I used to go over to her house a lot of the times to help her with stuff. And she'd have MSNBC all day on all day long. And when I was in her um, house during Trump, like year one of Trump, it was an alternate reality. Like all day long on MSNBC on loop, they had the same six people talking about the Mueller report all day long. And then one day, my mom was like, "Is Trump going to get impeached or not?" Because every single day. It's not like it's gonna happen. I'm like, mom, no one's talking about this shit. This is just MSNBC and mm-hmm. weirdos in the media. Like, like he, he's not going anywhere anytime soon. Like, but when you watch MSNBC, even I started believing it after a while. Like when I was at her house for a couple of hours and it was just on nonstop. Yeah, like the the Seth Abramson brain, where like he's you know just just one subpoena away from being impeached and removed yes, from office. Exactly. 24 hours, day after day. And then my, my mom finally started believing me. The mom was like, oh, you don't watch the news. You're not informed. And after a while, my mom was like, you know what? Maybe you're right. Maybe I, I'm actually not getting anything out of the news. Because it was making her anxious to keep thinking any day Trump's going to be out of office. And and it's going to be an uprising. And it would never happen. Such the Abramson brain is... Yeah. That... Um, I've, I, I was talking to another... Uh, journalist colleague, and uh, we're, no, we, you know, I was talking, like we we're, we're basically discussing like Canadian media and why things are the way they are in Canadian media. Like, if you think that you like things are catty in U.S. media, it is like Canada is a very concentrated version of that because the journalism community is very small. Um, there are very few outlets to publish for, and everybody is afflicted with some degree of professional jealousy. So like the internecine dramas that play out here are like the cycle is so much quicker and it's so much more intense. And I was saying that like, and and, and Q, would you agree that that kind of voice has become um, extra prominent on Twitter in the past? Oh my God. It's, it's the fucking worst. But but the thing is like it, it it happened here, I think more quickly and in a more pronounced fashion than the U S um, and, you know, we were talking about, like, why it is that this sort of mentality happens, that it's just like, uh, like, the cycle sort of feeding itself. And I'm like, it's actually not even a, a cycle. It, it's not, I would even go even farther than, you know, the, the Ouroboros snake, you know, like the, the snake eating its own tail. Like, I, I, I actually yeah. think it's more like, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Ouroboros steak. No, I haven't. Which is, 
a steak grown from human cells that you can eat. And because you, because you're, this, the steak is grown from your cells, when you eat it, you're nourishing yourself and therefore you can produce more cells, which are then replicated into more steak that you continue to eat. So basically you could just live off of like the cells that you produce in the form of meat. And to me, that's kind of what, um, like the, the feedback between social media and news media is that all of this um, bullshit drama, like the psychodrama plays out in social media. And then the news cycle can then uh, pick from the, the waste that it produced on social media, like the psychodrama that their journalists are creating on social media and then feature it as content. And because it's been featured as content, then people con- uh, comment in it, on it on social media and that's how the cycle repeats itself. But it's like, it's, it's, it's not even just, um, it's not even just a cycle. Like there's an element of cannibalism and like moral violation to it, if that makes sense. No, no, it totally, it totally does. And I just say real quick to D, I, I just moved you to the audience to just uh, move Andy on. But as usual with, with everybody, we move it to the audience, you know, it's just because we want to keep the queue moving, but you're always welcome to come back up. And yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. And yeah, I think the fact that it's mixed in with jealousy, I think is um, very um, important. Like, for example, that Substack controversy that kind of consumed, like, like among the things that are making everybody crazy, I just want to throw in culture war stuff in general, and that's a big umbrella, but... I've heard the past two years under the pandemic and being home and and being under um, Trump and George Floyd, I feel like the culture war stuff has especially exploded and the whole woke cancel culture, whatever, that was hitting full steam during the um, pandemic. And the Substack thing, I think, was a great example of that. Like um, the whole, why are these people getting platformed by Substack? Fuck Substack, and I think a lot of that was kind of motivated by professional jealousy mixed in with principles as well. Like, you know, why is this person getting a six-figure contract when they're a chud, and you know, etc. But yeah, so it's 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 kind of nuts. Um, hey, Andy, how's it going? Hey, I'm I'm back. I can't believe you moved me back to the listeners, man. I'm just <laughs> I mean, I had, like, just on a general, since I was kind of curious just about Ukraine, like, uh, Q, like, what your sense of, I mean, I don't know if you want to even get into this, but just, like, kind of what you think is is going to happen. I, I mean, I've been totally kind of taken aback by what what Russia actually did and how far they've gone. But one other question I, I just had, or one thing I was kind of curious to get you guys' take on is, like, there's, there's this kind of, like, interesting, or, I mean, maybe, like, it's real brain dead. And I was thinking about it when you're talking about those tweets, like, this kind of like weird merging of like social justice, like white supremacy, like jargon and like geopolitics. So like, you know, when they're talking about Putin and like, you know, being a white guy or whatever, like that Jane Huger thing and, and this whole thing where it's like, oh, I can't believe that the, uh, it, like, you know, the Republicans, who they, they, they love this guy or they love that blah, blah, blah. And these kind of insane reasons, you know, and um, one of the things that's kind of weird about it to me is that like, 
you literally don't hear anyone talking about like actual material things anymore. Like you don't hear people talking about pipelines and natural resources or like, you know, you know what I mean? Or even like, you know, even like the kooks that would talk about like the, the petrodollar, or the gold standard or whatever, you know, but that stuff, I mean, maybe not with the petrodollar, but like definitely with the pipelines, like with the Nord Stream 2 and stuff like that stuff is real, you know? And I, I just sort of wonder, like, it just feels like the discourse has been so kind of like taken over by this, like these people that like even a few years ago, like didn't even care about like racial disparities or didn't really care about police violence or whatever. And now it's like, that's the only lens that like everything is viewed through. Um, anyway, I just kind of curious, like what your take, I don't know if that's like kind of incoherent what I'm saying there. But, no. you know, I mean, it makes a kind of sense. Especially, the only thing I'll say too is, especially mm-hmm. from like I'm white, you know, but like especially from white people, it's almost like, like is, if you're a white person and you don't bring that into it, you you're like, you're out of the club. You know what I mean? Like it's almost like white people are overcompensating to be like, oh, there's another thing, you know. There, there's a term that people don't like to use outside of the right because the right kind of ruined the term, but I think there is some validity to the concept, and that's the concept of virtue signaling i think there is you know a lot of um virtue signaling that does that does happen um before we hand it over to q because he knows more about ukraine than i do one thing that really drives me crazy and i think ties into what you said i have no problem with anybody who is already into geopolitics who's already very civically engaged and very into this stuff to be worked up over Ukraine. Like, for example, uh, I know Q is very into international politics. He's very into following what's what's happening around the world and, you know, the state of things. So it's on brand. It's in character for him to be this way. What drives me nuts, and I think it might be tying into what you're saying, are people who just have to be in the conversation no matter what. So they just have no natural inclination or expertise or interest in this stuff, but once it's in the discourse, and not even discounting professionals, or, you know, people like Terrell J. Starr or whatever, who are trying to get put on as a pundit, but just regular people who was like, this new thing happened, and within one hour, I'm going to be an expert on it and be pontificating on it and giving my takes. And it's like, why? Like, like me, I've never been reading about the Ukraine. I've not been reading about Russia. I'm not huge into international politics. So... To the extent I am going to be interested with this story, I'm going to be coming in as a latecomer and acknowledge my know-nothingness on this topic. But yeah, I feel like nobody wants to do it anymore. Everybody wants to enter the conversation as an instant. Uh, and people like this for everything, even like being a fan of something, like some kind of new property gets adapted and now it's trendy to talk about like Dune. And suddenly everybody <laughs> just read, read Dune. Like, like I'm like... <laughs> Dune is Dune is a brick of a book. I don't fucking believe you. I do not. It's a yeah. Or some really did read Dune, but they just because it was a pandemic, they just did everything they could to get the book finished, or maybe they skimmed it. You know, but it's like either they're lying or they did read it. But even if you just read Dune, say you read the whole thing, you only read it like a week ago. Just shut up. You you know enough. (laughs) People have read it like ten times. You don't have to be pontificating and doing think pieces and doing threads on it and everything but yeah with everything people just have to be instant experts and it just it just drives it just drives me nuts and the the last thing i'll say before i hand it to q for uh, the pandemic even terrell j star 
an, an example of how he jumps into everything. When black trans were in the news a lot at the top of the pandemic, I'm not exactly sure why, but for some reason, for like two or three weeks, everybody went like black trans crazy as far as the discourse. Uh, it might have been maybe the first Chappelle special, maybe. But then uh, Terrell just started to announce, I have a confession to make, and people need to know, I love black trans women. I date them, I do this and that. I'm like, where are you coming from? Like, <laughs> Oh, like, I remember that. And then he got like, he just got clowned. Because it's like, so you, it was like, you, so you just made Chasing Woke? Like, what the? F- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and and now it's deleted. <laughs> so it's, it's like, and I have no problem with anybody who likes to date trans people or whatever, but it was just so opportunistic and cynical, his timing of it, that, you know, you had this No, it, desire. I, I think it's just fucking weird when someone says, um, like, someone makes a point of saying, I did, like, would somebody who is not, uh, somebody who's not black, and makes a point of saying, "Oh, you know, I love dating black women." It it, it sounds weird, bro. Like just oh yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Or like yeah, like if you're insane. you're a white dude and you say like I like you know I, I love dating Asian women. I love Asian women. It's like, <laughs> like a bro, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. As a as a response to stop Asian hate, <laughs> you know. Exactly. But I'm sorry, Q, Q, if you want to respond to this question. Uh, just to make sure that I'm answering the right question, because um, I'm frazzled as hell. Would you mind just, like, repeating but, like, condensing? Uh, I'm just curious. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, I guess I'm just curious in two things. One is just if you if you want to get into it, just, like, how what you think is going to happen with, with Russia and Ukraine. I mean, it looks like now maybe Zelensky's going to possibly there's going to be some kind of negotiations but I mean, I just I was totally I mean, I was even like getting into it with Adam Johnson on Twitter because I was like, dude, they're not going to invade. And I, I did. I mean, nobody I was reading thought they were going to invade. And I, I was really so I feel just kind of like even as somebody who's kind of followed this stuff, I'm, I'm a little just like and, and I, I was like you last night. I mean, I have young kids and I'm usually totally tired. And last night I was just up like looking at my computer like, what the fuck, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, and then the other question I just would have is like as somebody who does I mean, this might be a little bit more complicated, but like as someone who does care about, obviously, like deeply cares about racial justice and and like positional racial justice, like in U.S. and Canada, do, do you feel like it's kind of weird the way that that kind of talk has been? And I guess in some ways it's almost weird, kind of weirdly analogous to like the Whoopi Goldberg thing about like viewing the Holocaust through that racial lens. You know what I mean? Like, but I guess with the Jink Uyghur thing or whatever, like, you know, if, if, if Putin, like, you know, like it's insane to say if a black person were the president of Russia, I mean, that's like, that's totally like, that would be like saying if a, if a Martian were the, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it, it doesn't, I don't know. Like it seems like in some ways it, it, it kind of dilutes the real obvious issues of white supremacy that we do deal with here in the united states by trying to view everything through that lens if that makes any sense you know what i mean so um as for what is going to happen next man i have no clue because i was of i was of the opinion that um a full-on russian incursion and uh military aggression against ukraine was a stupid idea and it would act it would be against um, not only the interest, like the national interest of Russia, but against Putin's own self-interest. Like, I I did not think that that was going to happen, and it obviously did. So, I mean, <laughs> sucks to be me. I was obviously wrong. So, whatever, whatever sort of like you know, uh, gazing into the crystal ball that I attempt to do now has literally like no import whatsoever. 
because I didn't even see this outcome. So how the hell am I going to turn around and try to act as if I know what might happen next? I don't. Um, fair. I, I guess fair like, excuse. no, the, I, I mean, my immediate thought is that um, it does uh, create in uh, an, like an environment of hysteria where there's the possibility that uh, why stop with Ukraine? Why not uh, keep going all the way to the Baltic Sea, thus putting Estonia, Latvia and Lithuania in danger? And these are these are NATO states like they're not just NATO aligned or NATO sympathetic. They belong to NATO or they're, they're part of NATO. So I, I don't know. I have no idea. Um, if you would have asked me last week, you know, would uh, Vladimir Zelensky, um, would he uh, be telling all Ukrainians to mobilize themselves and anybody who wants a gun in their hands can get one? Like, I, I probably would have laughed at you. And yet, this is what's happening today. So I really don't know. I have no idea. I guess the, the part that bothers me, and it's not out of, like, you know, resentment, like, oh, they were right. It's resentment that... People who um, make a living uh, raising the alarm about every possible foreign threat, every boogeyman that the United States has spent like the better part of the last century manufacturing um, and literally creating by politically destabilizing other countries, uh, dumping billions of dollars worth of resources into interfering with elections and funding um, armed militias and death squads uh, disrupting other people's political will, they'll ignore all that and simply act as if it is in the character of these other countries that we're supposed to be afraid of, that this is what was always going to happen. It really bothers me that they're now the ones to be taken seriously. Like a Terrell star, for example, is just being shared all over the place on social media. And it's like this dude walked into a restaurant in Lviv back at the end of 2018. And there was a, um, it was horribly anti-Semitic themed, like simply walking into the restaurant and seeing the posters on the wall and the way that the wait staff were addressed should have clued you in. Um, and when you look at the menu, you there's no price for any of the food. You're supposed to haggle and negotiate for what you're going to pay. Like the entire thing was as anti-Semitic as you could possibly get. <laughs> he had no fucking clue until he tweeted it out. And then people in his mentions were like, hey, bro, um, that doesn't sound really up on the up and up to me maybe this isn't the restaurant you want to be eating at like somebody as stupid as he is is now being taken seriously as a foreign policy expert that's what actually bothers me because again that like misinformation cycle driven by people that have no expertise in these areas whatsoever and are simply useful for pushing out a message entirely crafted by uh corporate and um, State Department interests that who is taken seriously, and the people that are entirely skeptical of U.S. imperialism have even more reason to be marginalized, shut out, and you know written off as like fringe voices. So, I guess like looking forward, that's the part that bothers me. Like we were basically entering another propaganda, like an, a nine eleven type propaganda cycle, where the more principled voices are written off as fringe. Um, and will likely to be like uh, blacklisted and censored, and the ones who are cheerleading, uh, who are cheering like war propaganda, are the ones who are valued. 
Same as it ever was. I guess. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, and I but guess it's just wild. wild. Yeah. It's wild to see that the liberals now are the ones that are leading the leading the charge on this. Like you know, the last last generation, you know, for like the younger Gen Xs and elder millennials, you know, the they lived through the neoconservatives um, of the like George Bush and Bill Crystal and. Uh, Wolfowitz types, the Paul Wolfowitz types, um, just going with the most insane type of war propaganda and completely getting away with it. And people on the progressive side were doing their, like, created the largest anti-war movement in American history. And now the very same types that were anti-Iraq war, anti-Afghanistan war, are the ones that are cheerleading this, this war with Russia. So who knows? What do I know? Yeah, I mean, Russiagate really, like, I mean, it really just kind of scrambled the, the, the political compass of the Oh, it destroyed the more I mean, minds than the crack epidemic. It, oh, yeah, so, yeah, for it's sure. It's so crazy, man. Like, but, it, it, but, uh, I'm, I'm Andy. Uh, sorry, but we have, like, five people in the queue. Oh, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. You can knock me out, man. All right, thanks a lot, guys, and have a good night. I really appreciate the conversation. Yeah, you, you too, man. Take it easy. Take care of right, yourself. take it easy. Always a pleasure. Hey, Hirotu. How's it going? Hey, what's going on? Yeah, sorry to jump back in the queue. I don't know where to go, man. You guys went deep in the in the Ukraine thing. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I was just going to bring up um, just, yeah, uh, getting off of Twitter is the best thing anybody can do for their health. Um, it's maybe it served the function 10 years ago or something, but I think now, as you were saying, T, you know, uh, it's it's a constant thing in your pocket that brings you stress and dread um and you know maybe some people need it for your for their career um to to keep their finger on the pulse of you know um you know i guess anything related to the news but uh yeah it's just not it's just not healthy um it's just not a i, I, I really don't I, I think in you know in the future uh you know there's going to be lots of research that's going to say yeah twitter was was, was bad I'm curious what this two years of pandemic is going to look like when we get a little bit of distance from it, like three or four years. Like, There's a lot of little things that from even last year that I look back on and I realized was crazy. And I'll give you one example. Like when Clubhouse just opened and was popping and it was getting like a fresh $2 billion in funding every week. Remember everyone thought Clubhouse was just going to take the world by storm? And I think it was just basically a problem of everybody was home and there was nothing to do. But I'm looking back on that. I'm like, how crazy was it that it would be three or four in the morning and now we just log into Clubhouse and there'd be a full room with everybody I knew in it from online. Like it was five in the afternoon. Like people's schedules were getting so weird. People would send you texts at two in the morning and not even feel weird about it. And you'd, and you'd be up like, Everything was so weird. People were sleeping to like one p.m., two p.m. Uh, it was a, yeah. it was it was a very bizarre bizarre time. Like like time was in this yeah. weird space. But but Clubhouse was a, was the craziest. I remember it was Q, me, Q, a bunch of other people. We were like in a hundreds deep Clubhouse room at three or four in the morning, arguing with people. Yeah. I'll, I'll just say this: and and like, when would that ever happen? Yeah, I'll just say this on jump off out of the queue. But um, yeah, I just wanted to put it out there. What I want to say is like I think you mentioned it, or someone did, that you know when the internet was mostly message boards, 
um, for like specific interests, whether it be a video. I remember video game. I'm a big gamer, so like video game companies, uh, the studios used to have message boards where people just spoke about their their games and stuff. And I think that is probably I think a healthier um, uh, what's the word? That's the more a healthier engagement. I don't know that people can have with with each other on the internet but as you said like with uh twitter and and then uh clubhouse it's just not it's i think it's just not healthy man it's because uh, we're not, not we're not wired to be that way but i'll, I'll uh, jump out of the queue no problem yeah it was me that said that and what i was talking about was i was reading some so some stuff by social scientists and they called it uh curated um um versus network and it was saying like uh when you had curated message boards, like message boards for curated engagement, you had a moderator, you had a community, uh, people would approve comments or delete them or do whatever. And and there was kind of like walls around the community to, to a degree. And you have to actively search it out. But network is basically what social media is, like, like social networks where it's just one giant chat room. So like instead of like a comment section or a forum is just one giant huge forum with no types of congregation around um topics or whatever it's a giant free-for-all and the person the social scientist was doing all this research about how bad it is for people's uh brains but the problem is that has replaced everything and what i mean by that is you can't put pandora's you can't put everything back in pandora's box i noticed when I saw that, I was like, you know what? That's true. I'm going to go back to the curated days. So I started trying to spend time on message boards or just spend time in, like, you know, DMs and things like WhatsApp and Signal. But now when you go to message boards or comment sections or, like, have group DMs off of a social network, like, you know, in Signal or in WhatsApp or in your group text, all people do now is send fucked up tweets. <laughs> so it's like you can't... <laughs> Escape, you can't fucking escape it. Like, like you go in a forum now, and three quarters of the forum are people sharing somebody's stupid take and bitching about it in the forum. So it's like, it's like we can't go back to that. It, it sucks, but yeah. Okay, but in all fairness, you and me do that. I, I know. What's I, I was gonna say, and I'm, yeah, I'm saying we, yeah. we can't help it. Yeah, it's it's unstoppable. Oh, Spencer, by all means, uh, hop in. Sure, sure. Uh, I, I I totally agree with you. The that point T about even when you try to escape Twitter, the bad screenshots just follow you. Yeah, all the time. It's, 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 Every it's time I try to take a break off Twitter, people find the most cursed shit. <laughs> and if they can't get me on a Twitter, like uh, if they can't find me on DM because I'm not on there, then they will send it to my signal. If I'm not responding to my signal they'll literally fucking text it to me. If they don't reach me on text, they'll, like, they'll, it'll find me somehow. It'll find me. Right? I can't escape it. I, I've seen your timeline, Q. Your friends are relentless. I don't know how you put up with them. Uh, <laughs> I, I told you, like, my friends actually hate me. This is, not, this is not a... I'm not making jokes. Like, they deliberately put things in front of me that inflict psychic damage. I mean, it's a... a I hate to say it because I am one of your followers who finds your rants and reactions extremely entertaining. So I'm the problem. I don't know what to tell you. Okay. Uh, I, I, I suppose that everything becoming content uh, has its negative consequences. 
Yeah. Uh, I, I, I support you uh, taking care of your own psychic health before uh, doing funny reactions on Twitter, though. I agree with what everyone said about logging off being good for the mental health. Uh, I, I just wanted to specifically respond to a couple of things y'all were talking about. Um, one is that I wanted to echo what, what T was saying about, like, I was a Twitter liberal and, like, a Rachel Maddow watcher in 2016. And I was like, I, I totally relate to the, what you were talking about with your mom uh, and and about her slow realization of like, I really am getting nothing but anxiety out of this stuff. Uh, so, yeah, I just I know, that resonated with my <laughs> my compassion for my my younger, more liberal self. And I also wanted to say that in terms of, you know, the, the subject of this call in uh, like societal mental health, I think that the thing that's been best for my societal mental health was joining an anti-capitalist political organization. I mean, I know, I know Caller was talking about how obviously, you know, wanting to do that kind of movement work requires having the will to do it in the first place. But I think if you've got that, I would just encourage anybody listening to, to do such a thing, like being able to talk to comrades on a weekly basis who can affirm and strengthen and challenge my analysis and help me feel a little bit less crazy in this sea of, you know, capitalist realism and things being really messed up for everyone. Like it's, it's been really challenging at times. It's not always easy work, but I think it's also been some really helpful intellectual, personal, and political development. You know, it's something I hear you talk about, Q, all the time, like just the importance of being in an organization. So, yeah, I just, I just wanted to add that to the conversation. Yeah, I, I'll say any community. I Well, maybe not any community because that's how people end up in the alt-right. <laughs> but any, any community with a constructive purpose, I think, you know, is uh, is, is pretty good. Like, like not to keep uh, harping on the yoga thing, but I think uh, in addition to the actual physical practice of yoga, there was something good about if I can at least find a community that is doing constructively good politics right now, at least these people are not talking about politics at all. Like, you know, they're just going on and talking about like um, their favorite forms of yoga or their, or their pose that is um, challenging them or something. But it's like, even if you can't find actively good politics, even an apolitical community, I think, is the next is the next best thing. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think community is very, very underrated. I just yeah, I will say that uh, you know, like a lot of people know that I'm a member of the Communist Party of Canada, um, also with Black Alliance for Peace, and yeah, being able to like have sane conversations with people that. Like, it's not even just a matter of, like, whether they agree with me, because there's always going to be disagreements in any, like, political organization. But, like, at least I'm talking to people that know what they're talking about. So we're not having to, like, catch each other up and contextualize things for each other. Like, we know what we're talking about um, and can, I guess, like whether it's like patching up disagreements or creating some sort of a synthesis, we're coming from common ground where it is really difficult to talk to political normies without sounding like a crazy person. So yeah, like I, I, I very much am a big proponent of like finding sanity through community rather than like, because if I find what happens is that, <clears throat> excuse me, then what happens is that, um, the frustration of not being understood, especially politically, can really get under people's skin. And then they'll start like lashing out at like friends, relatives, coworkers, whatever, because they, they're in this perpetual state of not being understood. And uh, all you got to do is scroll down the timeline for like five minutes and you'll see the results of that, right? 
So I, I really can't emphasize enough the importance of like finding community that's supportive. Something else I'll throw in too, and I think this is something that you know was happened to me being in Brooklyn and everything, and knowing a lot of other people in you know this alternative media spaces. Don't get a community that is extremely online because what, what would happen is you meet with people, and then they would all be talking about what somebody tweeted today. So it's like you're in the real world. You're talking, but people are talking about tweets, and that mm-hmm. I think is like is like a problem too. Like like, uh, or people be at the table tweeting, or you know, uh, everyone everyone's checking Twitter and sharing tweets, and that I found like kind of interesting because it's easy to kind of think that you're um, disengaging, but you're kind of just doing it together. With it. it's kind of doing drugs. Uh, at the crack house instead of alone, you know, it's like yeah, I guess the crack house, I guess the crack house is a community, but it's not really helping you. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so that's that's something that you know I've uh, caught myself doing is being places where, and you know what I wondered too about is sometimes DSA because I know DSA had a huge spike from you know those, those dirtbag left podcasts where their memberships really swelled. But then I mm-hmm. wondered, I wonder, and I, I don't have any firsthand um, knowledge of this, but if anybody knows, if you could tell me, I was wondering if it changed the nature of DSA at all to have so many um, media, um, media plugged in people as, as members. If they started spending a lot of time doing like podcast gossip and stuff like that. I'm, this is what I'm curious about, if anybody has any feedback on that. And uh, Omar, if you want to um, unmute, by all means, feel free to jump in. Hey, uh, first time calling in. Um, I'm really enjoying the conversation. Um, I yeah, wanted to bring up like how I think we put too much stock into reason as as people. Um, I think like we like overestimate like how we're driven by reason, um, like by you know, uh, people having like bad takes on, on different issues. And we think like, well, what's wrong with that person? I mean, we're really influenced by emotion as well and our like social connections. And so like, that's like one pathway of manipulation too. Like, especially if you, if you expose yourself just to mainstream media and don't consume like different types of of media, different sources of information, and you triangulate. I mean, I I've been a the skeptical already of you know the two party system, and corporations, and just the bullshit that we're fed. And like you know, whenever I hear. Um, okay. Uh, is he breathing? I was gonna say, like, I'm not sure if that was me or okay. So, oh, oh yeah, so yeah. I think you did come out, cut out there, Omar. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was just me, but it looks like it's both of us. Yeah, Omar, your audio was kind of choppy. I don't know if you're still speaking now. Hello, Omar. Yeah, I think his audio might have cut out. Um, okay, what we'll do is uh, we'll do is uh, we'll move. Oh, sorry. Oh no, wait. No, I can. I I think he's speaking now. Are you there? Okay. Oh. Yeah, Sorry. I can hear you now. Yeah. yeah, you did, but we're good now. 
Oh, okay. What What was the last thing you heard? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. You You got like really choppy a few seconds ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, it, it happened pretty early for me, so I missed more. Yeah. I think yeah, a call was coming in, and I think I don't. It didn't really. Uh, um. It didn't honor like the fact that I. How dare you take call. a phone call while you're talking to us? <laughs> no, I know it's not voluntary. Like, yeah, the app switched over. I got it. It's no big deal. It's all good. No, I was I was saying that like we put too much stock in into reason uh, with people, and I think that there's you know all kinds of social emotional uh, pathways that people come to like certain views and attitudes, and, and especially like the manipulation that happens. Uh, through mainstream media, um, like I, I don't consume it because it's garbage and the type of language that's used. Like I always, you know, ask myself, like they're talking about national security, national interests, like whose interests, whose security, like we're talking about financial security of like the 1%. Um, people don't really think about language that deeply. I mean, people get PhDs in, in this kind of stuff. They they go in deep into these kinds of issues. It's hard to understand reality, especially when it's like at a systemic level. And so, um, you know, you have people being manipulated through like, you know, their affiliations, you know, blue anon people just going along with the Democratic Party, like whatever they say, even though the two parties have shifted rightward um, and they but they still like go for Team Blue and people also like that guy that you were talking about, how he just got like a tiny bit of like information on Ukraine and thought he was an expert. I mean, it reminds me of Sam Harris and how he thought he was an expert on Islam a few years ago because, God, he, yeah. he, because he has a PhD in neuroscience. He thinks that he can understand everything if he just takes like a few days to, to read the Quran. I, I mean, it, it was pretty laughable. Um, like the way, yeah, it's the Dunning-Kruger effect. Um, but yeah, like people just, yeah, I mean, you have like so many different elements or, or variables that are com coming into like these phenomena and I th yeah i think we put too much stock into into humans being like driven primarily by reason um and and i think you know there's sometimes some manipulation that's that's happening um of through infiltration of certain uh, activist organizations, um, through you know advertisers that are that are advertising in in, in media, um, yeah. Um, I don't know if you can hear me still. No, no, we can definitely hear you still. Um, I just I was just going to let you finish before having oh. any comment. I don't yeah. think it's a Dunning Kruger. I don't think it's actually Dunning Kruger. Like I don't think I think it's actually something more cynical than that. Like Dunning Kruger uh is the implication that people are I don't know, like they don't know what they don't know. So they don't know that they're not smart enough to have opinions on things. Like they're they're overconfident in their own expertise. I think it's actually worse than that. I think they are aware of how little they know and cynically uh, spout off on these topics anyway. Um, 
on the assumption that nobody's going to call them on their shit. So I, it, it's yeah. actually a little bit more depressing because they succeed at it, right? Like there's no incentive anymore to just like stand on your square or to not have a forward facing opinion on, every, on everything. Um, the, the incentive now is to like, I don't know, like, uh, um, to be like a, like an intellectual chameleon and like, like put yourself into like whatever discussion you can. And uh, as long as you can like fill airtime and you can fill a column space, you're good. I think what ties into your more cynical take is the concept of shamelessness. Like I think people now, um, you know, you know, it's interesting. I used to read a lot about narcissism and somebody once asked this person who uh, was a narcissism expert, you keep talking about um, how narcissists are consumed with shame and everything from an, about a narcissist comes from a deep uh, shame and low self-esteem, but they always act so arrogant and shameless and they just the sheer like audacity and shamelessness. And the person said, that's a, a paradox. It's not really a paradox because they're actually so consumed with uh, shame and self-loathing that they've cut off their ability to access. It, it's very paradoxical, but weird. Like they've actually cut off their ability to access their shame and self-loathing because it's so strong, this constant free-floating shame and self-loathing that if they were to allow themselves to tap into it, even for a second, it would like uh, eradicate them. It would, it would, it would like, annihilate Oh my them. God, so, that's... <laughs> You know, that kind of, oh my gosh, uh, that reminds me of like, um, um, the, this is going to be the, probably the, the dumbest analogy I've ever made, but I'm going to push through it anyway. Uh, in, uh, um, in, uh, a comic book issue where, uh, Captain America and the human torch were fighting Ultron, um, they were unable to like. Uh, fight him to the to the ability to penetrate his armor. So what Human Torch did was flame on at such a high heat, and he told Captain America to hide behind his shield. And he flamed on at such a high heat, um, and shot a uh, a heat wave at Ultron. And even though his armor wasn't cracked, his internal circuitry was destroyed. And it's kind of like that, where like like. If you like the 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 uh like you cannot you cannot possibly penetrate uh through that wall of shame that they've constructed for themselves because if they like expose themselves to the heat of self awareness for even a fraction of a second it would melt their circuits. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Are we still talking totally. about Sam Harris? <laughs> <laughs> I told you it was the first thing that leaped to mind. It was going to be a dumb analogy, but I had to go. With, I had to go with it. <laughs> but but I think that ties into what Q was saying about the whole um, that's not done in Kruger is that they just um, um, don't care about you know being whether they're an expert or not. It's it's like they have created this 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 armor of shamelessness and uh, of ego that they must have up at all diff- all times to not access that self loathing and that. Um, Constant, constant shame. So it's like the fact that these people can get embarrassed and dunked on so bad in so many horrible ways, and just wake up the next day and like time for another go back to day. yeah, back to work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's amazing. Like if, if I was Terrell Star, I, I would just get off Twitter. I would just be so 
humiliated. I've been lucky to never have been like character of the day like that. But even the few times that, you know, I've had a tweet that's gone bad and people will be arguing with me and everything. I found it so draining, even if I felt I was right, you know, yeah. where I was like, I don't ever want to go through this grief again. But people like Terrell Starr, N- Nicole Hannah-Jones is another one. She will just go right into it, like time for a shitty take, you know, and then you know, just be be unscathed. Yeah, like, like her uh, takes on up. like uh her takes on her anti union takes on teachers and like some of the ways that she like promotes herself as this like uh um like expert on on black history and so on, but also like a liberationist of I hope none of I, I hope neither of you are taking a piss right now. I, I feel like anyone who's a fan of Kohana Jones is probably not a fan of this. Were you pouring that. yourself a glass yeah. of water tea? Um, I was drinking and I forgot to hit the mute button, so my bad. That was a rookie mistake. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, I'm saying I thought, that. I thought, uh, like, I thought the mute button. No, the mute button was not on. I thought you were taking the piss. Um, <laughs> which, which actually would not be the first time that me and a, a podcast host uh, that I've heard someone like literally taking a piss while recording a podcast. I'm not going to say who, but it has happened. Um, but uh, no, I, I think where it comes to Nicolana uh, Jones that like she positions herself as like having this sort of liberationist philosophy and every so often she'll betray her politics so badly and people will just call her out on it and she'll just push through it and just start like start tweeting about like tv shows or some shit as if like her mentors are not on fire i just i i have i i don't have the ability to do that yeah yeah she's the best uh, thank you, Omar. Um, by the way, we're going to end it with, with Kamaria. So, um, thank you. we're going to do Mateo next and then, and then Kamaria. And behave yourself, Mateo. If you're going to come on here and get like all, uh, cheeky with the hosts, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to put you under, I have to put you under matters, bro. Oh, I'm come on. I'm a sweetheart. You know that. I'm the sweetest guy. <laughs> <island. laughs> every time, every time, every time you get on the mic, you piss somebody else off. No, I'm a ball of sunshine. Come on. All right, uh, go ahead. So here's, Here's my thoughts on, on your guys' theme um, in terms of how Twitter has utterly ruined us. Uh, so here's here's two recent Twitter things I noticed. One, the run-up to war, the State Department doing that whole meme with, like, Moscow was a bunch of trees in 1200 and Kiev was, like, a real city. It's like, what the fuck? Uh, it's, like, it's like, not only are you so, not only are you so, you know, Tony Blinken or whoever's working for you in Poland or – Vav now or Kiev or whatever the fuck they are. What the fuck are you thinking? Not only are you kind of absorbing the worst of the Twitter gotcha mindset, which has destroyed everybody's ability to analyze. All anybody can do now is a gotcha trope. What about is you know type of point? If I could just let me interrupt you just just real quick because I think you're touching on something important, and I call this. um, I think it was uh, uh, Brandon Sutton, pretty bad lefty, that named it. So I want to give him proper credit for this. But he calls it um, infoclux, meaning that like it's not a matter of whether you actually have a, a, a well-formed analysis or coming from a place of deep political principle. It's whether you get facts right. And it's like if you can get more facts right than somebody else is getting facts right, then you should be listened to. So it's just this endless game of like right. people playing model United Nations. But air hockey, United Nations, air hockey, rhetorical. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. So, and here, here's the other, uh, the other thing I, I was enjoying on Twitter uh, recently, or not enjoying. I mean, I think that was horrifying to see that, like, 
the people just in terms of preventing World War Three and like baiting Putin so much. It was so dumb, as well as being classless and kind of uh, illustrative of Twitter ruining. Well, I mean, like the straight like R- Russophobia and like Slavic tropes that I'm seeing leap out on the timeline right now are just like it's kind of wild. It's in, and it's also it's always universally just dumb too. It's always from people that don't appreciate that the whole reason that Putin is so insane and violent right now is because he sees uh, he sees Ukraine as Russians essentially, which they ethnically are. You know, they're one of the three Russian nations, etc. Anyways, along those lines, so there's a gentleman named uh, back in my Twitter days. You know, may have been something of an arch enemy, uh, Michael Caputo, who uh, worked for Putin personally for over a decade over in Moscow um, and was kind of a, a bridge between the old kind of Republican corrupt Guido world and the, uh, and the Russians and has always been that. However, unfortunately, Mr. Caputo has rebranded himself as kind of a pan-Slavic guy. His new wife is Ukrainian. I'm sure it's not his first wife. They never are. Uh, but he's kind of Mr. I love Ukraine now too. And he woke up so betrayed that the person that he worked for uh, was not, you know, was fully capable of just going nuts and conquering a really poor, really old, really deindustrialized country for no good reason, aside from a blood feud grudge based on those kids getting roasted in Odessa eight years ago, which is not nothing, but it's not yeah. worth, you know, conquering 40 million. Oh, I should probably like clarify, like for the audience, what you're referring to, which was that, well, uh, well you know, I mean, the, the communist party, those kids, I think, were yeah. nominally communists on paper as well. Uh, or a bunch of them were. Uh, you could yeah. go into that. Anyways, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you know, in terms of just the damaging of reality, think about the fact that like Michael Caputo personally worked for Putin and helped create this propaganda world. Of course, Lesson, who was murdered uh, not long ago, also kind of created that propaganda world in creating the foundation of RT. Another character you can you can explain for the audiences uh, aside from those kids in uh, Odessa. Uh, but you know. It's what happens when that world breaks down, even like the people that mastermind this world of tropes and gotchas, you know, uh, what happens when when the kind of, you know, when obviously reality is revealed and uh, and the whole trope that the right wing is trying to push of Putin as being this competent military genius mastermind. And he's the opposite, of course. That's why uh, ISIS was able to blow up all those classic Roman ruins is because he surrounds himself with dopes. Uh, but what happens when these things collapse? And I've kind of enjoyed uh, enjoyed Caputo's, uh, you know, for some grim moments in terms of witnessing that process of what happens when the tropey world kind of shatters, you know? Yeah. Um, no, I, I think we've like, we're through the looking glass now where we're basically like memeing our, our way through warfare. And not, not as if like we're responding to warfare with memes, but like memes themselves have become a tool of warfare. It's really dangerous. It's bad it's fucking wild. diplomacy. <laughs> it's really dumb. No, like, did you see that, uh, like, uh, the Ukraine, the official Ukrainian Twitter account, like, tweeted this meme of, like, uh, Hitler, like, gently leaning down and stroking Putin's chin? Yeah, and, you know, it's, it's, it's just so, uh, I mean, a lot of why, it, it's hard for me to explain to outsiders, you know, who, who Bandera was, and, like, why it's really a tragedy that he's kind of, like, the closest thing to an authentically historical national figure in a lot of Ukrainians' minds, and just that that's more sad than anything else. Uh, so it, I, I could probably spend all day and kind of break down, you know, whether Bandera was a Nazi per se and whether Azov Battalion are neo-Nazis per se, but I'd still get nowhere with it because we're so conditioned in, in common discourse, you know, to think of like little gotcha phrases. And of course, I've used the phrase Nazi as a weapon all the time, 
uh, against Trumpers, you know, three years ago, because uh, Trump, of course, is very much a, a hardened definition of a Nazi. But, you know, the word the word loses meaning pretty quickly and becomes just another trope used as an attack so quickly. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I the whole meme, sorry, go ahead, go ahead, the whole, meme, the whole meme warfare thing, I totally, totally agree on to the point. Like, I'm just kind of sick of irony in memes uh, right now. And when you say you're sick of irony in memes, and people think you're calling for the opposite extreme of some kind of quote unquote new sincerity, and it's not even that. Like, I'm just sick of reading something and not even knowing if you're making fun of it or not. Like, yeah, like, I, well, so yeah, exactly. How do you feel about this particular thing? And I think part of uh, where that comes from is, um, I think people, it comes from this whole, okay, uh, it, it comes from that fear of being wrong, like I was saying before, like the the whole like info culture where like the L, the only L that you can take is in having been, been wrong on a thing, not whether like your principles or ideology is wrong, uh, not whether your analysis is wrong, but whether you got a fact wrong or something like that. And I think that what people want to do is to be able to be taken seriously on any particular matter. So they still want to be able to like voice an opinion, but they have to obscure the point of their opinion deeply enough that you can't actually point to whether or not they were wrong. And that's where irony comes in. Because it's like, well, if you're just being deeply ironic all the time, then nobody can ever take you seriously as to whether you believe a thing or not. Totally, totally agree. Totally agree. Uh, thank you for that. Thank you for that, Mateo. Appreciate your um, input there. And let's move on to Kamaria. Uh, we're going to end it with you. And also, everyone who's up in here, if you came in here because you were seeing a tweet or seeing a um, somebody shared it with you or texted it to you, whatever, by all means, please follow the speakers and please follow the show. That way you can become notified for any future shows that we do have. So definitely don't forget to do that before we end the show. And with that, Kamaria, uh, by all means, please unmute. If you're not clear how to unmute, it's the button in the lower right-hand corner. Oh, she's unmuted. Just oh, okay. Oh, no. She's unmuted. Okay. Uh, yeah, I yeah. guess. Maybe the mic. Yeah, there's probably something going on with the microphone. All right, no worries. I mean, if uh, if you come through again next week and you just, like, shoot one of us a message and let us know, like, hey, uh, I came through the show last week, but I wasn't able to speak because there's something going on with my microphone. We'll just, like, bump you right to the, the front of the queue. Um, T, did you have any oh. – sorry, go ahead. Uh, I'm going to try and invite Kamaria to speak just in case that fixes it. Because for okay. some reason that that helped one time in the past. Hey, Kamari. So oh, there we go. You oh, it works. Oh, you can hear me now. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know why, but for someone in the past, we invited him to speak, and suddenly their audio works. So I just gave it a try. Okay. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Um. Yeah, I just wanted to say I appreciated this space, and um, I well, I wanted to say one thing too, because I have the same. Ex- I had a similar experience. I joined DSA and it was so online and I'm not a very like online person and it was they even talk like online people I granted I was in LA so maybe DSA LA specific to that but if I didn't know how they could like function as an organizing space for work like for like working class people because it felt so out of 
like actual reality, which I just thought oh, was really wait, interesting. Wait, are you saying are you saying they were talking in Twitterisms? Because I really hate when people yeah, do that. When, they when were they use, oh god. And oh, I mean, and, uh, at least that's what I assumed it was, because like I didn't understand a lot of the stuff that they were saying or people they were referencing. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to say was like something that kind of has been helping me during this whole pandemic is like making my world like really small. So I was like kind of gentrified out of LA. So I'm like in a, like a couple hours away from LA now and I lost my job as an engineer and I'm like a substitute teacher at my daughter's school. And it's actually been a interesting way to like organize and find community because all, all the kids in my apartment complex, I basically teach in that school. And I'm able to, like, really, like, if there's a rec aid or something that's giving these kids shit, like, I can advocate for them and things like that. And I think that's been helping me a lot is I don't even know anything about, unfortunately, what's going on in Ukraine because I don't know anything that's going on in general because I've just been, like, managing to just care specifically about what's happening in my like like my world is as small as pretty much like my apartment complex and it helps a lot and i don't know if like i would just say like that's something that has been helping me um i i will say that i i wish i had the ability to just like i don't know like shrink my world down to the bare essentials and the my biggest problem is i don't know whether it's like I don't know whether it's my ADHD and that's not even a joke, like my literal actual like ADHD uh, or if it's like uh, being a glutton for punishment, which is why I'm on a podcast called media masochists. I don't know. I have no ability to be able to focus on things that are uh, like immediately and always material. I, I think part of it is like one of the reasons I get into so many books is because I, I, if, if I was to just simply, I don't know, try to focus on like the day to day, I would probably drive myself nuts. Um, and the way that I cope with like not being able to control outcomes of things, like I, I you know, I don't work in government. I'm not some like C-level executive or anything like that. So the way that I deal with not having day-to-day control over things is learning about things. Um, but, but that comes like fraught with its own set of issues and, so what I'm saying is I deeply, deeply wish that I was able to just like tune a lot of that stuff out and just simply focus on things that are the absolute most important and the most essential. And I probably, my family would probably enjoy that a lot more too. Um, and I think that you're actually like, you're onto something because if we were able to focus on, you know, uh, family, community, helping each other out, like things that are important, I think that this entire industry that's funded off of, people's like neuroses and using um social media as a pressure valve like that would slowly disappear yeah i do feel like some sense of um community definitely helps with that but i think also there's a difference between strong ties and and weak ties and i think sometimes you're better off with like 10 strong ties than like um Hmm. 30, 30 week ties because that's one thing I find kind of interesting with um, the whole pandemic time is that I feel like 
all the middle ties have kind of like dropped out of your life. It's either like your top people, like people you're really close to, or a bunch of acquaintances on social media. Like, you know, that person that was above acquaintance, like they were generally a friend, but they weren't like a good friend, has kind of just been someone that you occasionally just maybe text to say, hey, hey, what's up? But I just feel like uh, during the pandemic, it's been um, really good friends and then people who I just know by the name of like uh, um, Bill, Bilbo Farkins, 106, you know, on, on Twitter. It's, it's very, <laughs> very bizarre. I don't know. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing to get all those uh, weak ties kind of filtered out. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a good place, good place to end it. Thanks everyone who um, came through. Uh, tell your friends about this space. Um, we'll be doing um, more episodes per week. I can't say for sure what the queue will be on those episodes because he's already spread pretty thin. So if he's ever free, uh, he's always welcome to come on. But um, uh, he, he's he's all all over the place these days. But uh, with our current deal with uh colin um i'm going to be doing more episodes of the colin shows but they won't all be as long as this like basically the thursday night one i plan to keep you know this length or whatever but the other nights will be you know shorter more informal and and a little bit tighter but keep keep um popping in for the thursday night ones but definitely follow the speakers and follow the actual media masochist um account subscribe to that so that you can be notified when those extra episodes come out because i don't think they'll be scheduled you know on a regular weekly basis the way the thursday night one is and any final thoughts q before we end uh no aside from you know uh take care of yourself and uh i i think that um i don't know we very much live in a culture where uh it's not only like celebrated, but also in some ways like fetishized that you act like you're okay through everything. And I, I don't know, man, like I will straight up say this shit has been like getting on my last fucking nerve. Like it's just been like event after event after event and nothing is actually getting any better over the course of the last couple of years. So yeah, unfortunately, you know, there's, no help coming in that regard and it's cool to just take a moment and admit like yeah all of this is fucked and it's okay to not feel okay about it so not trying to create an inspirational speech or anything like that i'm just saying like that's one of the reasons that we had this episode is because like i mean t like i i got the impression from you that you were a little bit like burnt and so was i um oh yeah, how we did yeah, yeah, I just have. That's why we ended up having this episode in the first place. It's like, okay, temperature check, everybody. How, how's how's everyone doing? Isn't this shit completely annoying? Um, I think it should be. I don't know. It should be okay to have those kinds of conversations more often than trying to like figure your way out of the darkness with having the proper take. Yeah, I mean, I know it's a total cliche, but you know, the whole thing it's okay to not be okay uh, comes to mind. And uh, last thing, also, you can make highlights of the show, and and if you make the highlights of the show, it automatically gets shared with uh, your followers and with us. So, a great way to promote the show is to make highlights of your favorite parts of the episodes, and it helps us because then we can put those on 
social media and things like that. You know, it's funny we just finished talking about how poisonous social media is, and I go right back into talking about uh, promoting on it. But, you know, it is what it is. But thanks, everybody, for joining us. Please uh, help us out by following and also making highlights. And we will see you guys next week. All right. Take it easy.